Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, I was just looking over the calendar of events this week. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> it's going to be a, it's going to be a great time. Today we just have our usual folks. Oh, let me readjust the chair. There we go. Okay. Uh, so today we have our usual, which is uh, Jonathan Mosley in the 8 o'clock hour, which is one hour from now at 7 o'clock here a.m. Central Time. So wherever you are in the world, check your world clock. Uh, Greenwich Mean Time, six hours earlier. So that would be, you know, get my phone. I should have Greenwich Mean Time. I'm going to start uh, doing that because we have such a worldwide audience. Uh, it's really fun. In fact, I was just heard from uh, Barry, a friend of mine in Israel. And uh, he used to be on, but we, we have to get to, we're having a little Skype line issue right now, getting our international uh, finance, mostly something going on with the banking world, <laughs> because we're trying to renew that certificate. Um, but that should be no problem. Anyway, so Barry, uh, wonderful person, I'll get his last name, you know, when, if he wants to get in. You can always, if you're listening now, you can always get on the live chat uh, and type in that way with our, our friend uh, Cyanide77, uh, who, who texts us from, uh, from the Netherlands. So we're, we're getting worldwide you know, worldwide audience, worldwide texting. All right, so let's check out International Greenwich Mean Time is, and of course, we just changed our clocks, too. That's something I want to talk to Jonathan about as well. So our clocks just changed. We, we are now daylight savings time, so it's an hour later than it was, uh, except in Arizona, because for some reason, Arizona uh, doesn't want to change. You know, it was that old joke about the California light bulbs. You know, how many, how many Californians does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, just one, <laughs> but the light bulb has to want to change. Ah, California. All right. What am I looking for? Oh, yeah, clocks. Uh, world clock. Let's see. Greenwich Mean Time. Where's London's up the top there? So it's, no, I guess Honolulu is first. So 12.01. So it's only five hours. Oh, 12.02 now. So London, so Greenwich Mean Time is only five hours ahead of us. So it is now noon, actually two minutes past noon, Greenwich Mean Time. We are five hours ahead. So it's now 7 a.m. Uh, five hours behind. Yeah, it's going to be because they're noon, we're five, we're seven. One, two, three, four, look at my clock face. Here. Yeah, so we're seven hours behind Greenwich Mean Time. So, yeah, so it's noon, Greenwich Mean Time, 7 a.m. here. And the reason I bring up all this silliness is because um, Florida voted for a permanent daylight savings time. We passed it. The governor signed it. That's Governor DeSantis, who's running for president in 2028. Yeah, you heard me right. 2028, he's not running in 2024. Folks, this is a joke. This is, this is a story. If he were seriously about, serious about running, he would be doing things a lot differently than he's doing now. You know, why is he going to Iowa? For appearances. Why, why, if, he, if he wanted to be uh, controversial, he'd go there when Trump was there. See, this is all orchestrated. This is, this is something that uh, – uh, it's pretty funny, actually. Everybody's getting all wrapped up. <gasps> DeSantis has to run to beat Trump. Trump can't win. Oh, please, give me a break. Trump can win. He's going to win. And we're going to get back to uh, America as usual as opposed to government business as usual. So what, it, what, what Trump is running against is the deep state. That's his opponent because they cheat. So he has to find a way to get past the cheating uh, and, and win. And so uh, it doesn't matter how many millions of votes he wins by, you know, honestly. It, it doesn't matter at all. What he has to do is defeat the cheating, and that means technology. And that means having better hackers than the Democrats have uh, and the deep state Republicans have. That's what's going to decide the next election, which is why Action Radio is so critical because we don't care who is in office. I mean, we do. I mean, we, we want people to put America first. I mean, they have to vote for it. But the, but the basic idea of, of citizen legislation is that it goes before Democrats. It goes before Republicans. You know, both of them get to read it. And the more impact we have as citizens, the more people join us, the more folks that get involved in what we do here at Action Radio and uh, citizen legislation. And this is worldwide, too. Learn about this worldwide. 
because this will apply to parliamentary systems. Not sure how it's going to go over in, in uh, you know, uh, you know, Islamic, uh, you know, fundamentalist uh, theocracies. That 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 remains to be seen. Not quite sure how popular this is going to be in Beijing. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be popular at all. But uh, it doesn't mean we're not going to try. Um, so for all our China listeners, all three of you <laughs> who haven't been found yet. Um, yeah, keep going. Taiwan, I think Taiwan's blocked from, from uh, getting us. Why we, why we wouldn't be in Taiwan, I don't know. Because we're all over, we're all over. Vietnam listens. Vietnam's interesting. I need to do a show on Vietnam because they've been listening to us since the start of, uh, of Action Radio. Never, never, never left. So Vietnam, if you're listening, um, and just type in a message to us. So live chat, because what time is it in Vietnam right now? <laughs> Let me check Ho Chi Minh City. Honolulu, London, Berlin, Auckland, Jerusalem, New Delhi, Tokyo, Guam. Uh, I don't think I have Ho Chi Minh City. I should. Oh, I do have Ho Chi Minh City. <laughs> what a riot. Uh, it's plus 12 hours, so it's 7 o'clock tonight. So they're 12 hours ahead. Um, okay, that's not too bad. That's a nice evening listening there. You know, so uh, give us a call. I mean, or actually, well, Skyline's probably out right now. Okay, so what's going on? Uh, this was a busy weekend. News is, I mean, I never have to worry about you know, finding stories. There's no such thing as a slow news day anymore. There's too much happening, especially when you have an illegal occupant in the White House, you know, doing illegal things. And of course, everything they do is illegal. Uh, and uh, because of that, things are happening. Oh, we got a second bank failure. That's the first thing. And I post, uh, I think, Saturday. You know, how long is it going to be before the Fed start talking about bailout? Well, it turned out one day, except they're just not using the word bailout. But that, uh, those loans, those recovery loans, those, those programs that they have to insure depositors, yeah, that's a bailout. <laughs> Get by you know, this stress. And then some, some idiot on Newsmax had the gall to say, well, this won't cost the taxpayers money. It's coming from the Fed. Well, where do you think the Fed gets their money? From taxpayers, you know, and, and from printing it, which costs, uh, you know, which we pay for in inflation. So ultimately, we have to cut them off. We've got to cut off the money. And the best way to do that is our constitutional amendment um, to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. So that's what you need to do is, is go to writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Go to the uh, legislation on the menu bar. It's the second item. Okay. And then you scroll down three to all proposed laws. So that's writeyourlaws.com, click legislation, click all proposed laws, and then you will see all these wonderful bills. And one of the bills is the constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. It's basically one sentence. It says they can't, uh, you know, that sentence which says they can borrow money, we, we just take that one out. <laughs> you know, so it says, where, you know, Congress has the power, and then it says to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Well, we take out that one and say replace it with a sentence that says Congress cannot borrow money on the credit of the United States, nor print money in excess of revenues. So they create inflation. That's, uh, that's what that would do. All right, so there's another thing um, that uh, is of interest to me, and this is Article 1, Section 8, uh, probably the most important section of the Constitution, because of daylight savings time. Nothing sucks more than changing your clocks. Now, it's uh, probably the worst is the springtime, but at least it goes to we get longer evenings, you know, less sun in the morning, but who's awake at 6 o'clock anyway except me? <laughs> you know, 5 o'clock or actually 4 o'clock. Well, I slept in a little bit this morning. That's another story. But, but the point is that most of the folks are awake early, you know, um, you know we, we can handle the darkness. <laughs> you know, it, it only gets light before the show, but that's okay. So you know, one of the reasons the rationale is for this is, well, it has to be light for the school kids to go to school. Well, why do they go to school so early? Why don't they go to school at normal time? You know, when people start work at 8 and kids should start school at 8, okay, or maybe even or 7.30 or something like that. But uh, and it's plenty of light by then. It's like 10 past 7 now, and, you know, it's bright, it's bright out there already. 
So, uh, so the kids should not be going to school at 6 in the morning. Uh, that's the first thing. They should go to school when parents go to work about the same time. Make it easy for people, right? Kids should, you know, I guess they're staying in school now. So they're going to school early. Kids are being dropped off, and then they're coming, parents are picking them up after work. But as more and more people work at home, uh, that opens up, opens up homeschools and all kinds of other opportunities. All right, so I'm looking for uh, the section where it talks about Oh, yeah, regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states. So that's the Commerce Clause, right? So I mean, people have said that Florida cannot turn their clocks ahead permanently because the Congress has to authorize it, and I'm trying to figure out why. Um, Arizona never turns their clocks ahead. Arizona is always on standard time. So Arizona, when we're, we turn our clocks to standard time here at Central Time, Arizona is only one hour apart from us. Now that we've turned our clocks ahead an hour, because Arizona does not turn ahead, they are now two hours apart from us, uh, the same as uh, the West Coast, which is on Pacific time. So Pacific time, you know, you know is normally uh, three hours behind. Uh, well, actually, three hours behind Eastern, two hours behind Central, uh, one hour behind Mountain. That's where we are. So to the Pacific, I like living in a Central time zone because what that means is East Coast is only an hour ahead. That's easy. Uh, West Coast is two hours behind. Yeah, it's doable, but we go till ten o'clock. So. For them, that's 8 o'clock, you know, so they, they can start their show at 7. Most people who do anything effective in life are up by then anyway. Um, so it should work out. So why is it that we have to get Congress's approval? It's, uh, here, Section 8, um, the Congress shall have the power to. This is what Congress can do, right? So this, this is why Article 1, Section 8 is the most important section in the Constitution, I believe. Congress shall have the power to collect taxes. Yeah, we'll worry about that later. Uh, and here's one. It says to borrow money on the credit of the United States. That's the one we get rid of uh, in our amendment. And then it says to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. Regulate commerce. Okay, so that means interstate commerce. That means things that happen between states. Well, if we're setting our time here in Florida, um, how does that affect interstate commerce? Why would that, why, how does that affect the goods and services crossing state lines? Goods and services will still cross state lines. They'll cross state lines just fine. You know, in, in the same way that goods and services cross state lines between Eastern time and Central time, between Central time and Mountain time, I'm seeing Mountain time and Pacific time. It happens all the time. Everything's computerized now. You know, it, you don't have to turn your clocks ahead. Most of them are done for you. If they're digital, I have a couple of manual clocks here and my toaster oven uh, or my microwave, but that's about it. You know, my computer, my phone, do it automatically. It's how I back check them. It's like, yep, looking good. You know, so I mean, that's that's those are basics, folks. Anyway, um, so so I don't see why Congress has to get involved with this. Now, the other one is, is you know, let me see if I can find, find the, uh, oh, here's the, um, I should go over this periodically, uh, to establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on bankruptcy. <laughs> it's interesting to put those together. So, Congress, so the federal government has no specific immigration authority other than what Congress says, but the, but the executive doesn't. The president has no authority over immigration. Um, so the Congress has to make uniform rules of naturalization so states don't make up their own citizenship. That's what that's for. Coin money, provide punishment counterfeiting, post offices, uh, science useful arts, tribunals, piracies, declare war, support armies, navy, um, still don't see anything. Um, and even the patent office. You know, this is the, to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors. Oh, that's patents. Okay, you know. Uh, where's the weights and measures? This, there's supposed to be something for weights and measures in here. All right, James, this is next legislation. That's what's D.C. Oh, then you got the necessary and proper clause, which means anything we forgot. <laughs> you can do it if it's necessary and if it's proper. 
as long as it complies with Article One, Section Eight. See, that's the part that I, you know that people seem to forget. Where's the? Uh, there's got to be. A, there's a section here on, on weights and measures. I know there is. Oh, did I miss it? Uh, oh, here we go. To coin money, I skipped over it with coining money, regulate the value thereof and of foreign coin and fix the standard of weights and measures. Huh. Well, I don't see time in there. Weights and measures, you know, pounds, <laughs> measures, <laughs> inches, <laughs> you know. So, so that, would be, that would be volume, uh, weight, um, dimension, you know, uh, you know, measurement of distance. And whether it's a millimeter or, you know, a mile, <laughs> you know, different things. Because yeah, we use both systems here, uh, depending on what's going on. I don't see time. I don't see any regulation of time. I think that's up to the states. Uh, so uh, I don't see why Congress has any business telling us what uh, time to set in Florida. <laughs> kind of a lengthy discussion, but you get what I mean. Okay, I'm going to talk to Jonathan about that. All right, let's get on to something which I think uh, is fascinating. And we heard the term last week. Uh, it's already gone. And there's a reason it's already gone. It's already gone because the media does not want to talk about it because they're heavily involved and invested in it. And the it is the censorship uh, industrial complex. It's a term I had not heard before until last week. And it came up Michael Sellenberger, I think is the one that came it up. So the two, oh, there we go. There were two, I have a bunch of guitar picks on my desk. Don't ask. They're like lucky charms. Uh, I'm sure you all have something on your desk that's just for fun. <laughs> well, that's what I have. I just, I was missing one, so I found it. All right, so Michael Sellenberger, and uh, Michael Sellenberger hosts a select committee on the weaponization of the federal government, March 9th. So this is last week, and he has this incredible statement. Uh, it's long. I'm not going to read it all. In fact, I'll read it until I get bored, like most things. Um, but he was there, and Joseph, I believe, Talibi, the, the two journalists who they, the Democrats that were so-called journalists, but well, of course they're you know, so-called legislators too, um, but it, this, this term, and of course, I remember Matt Gates used it and a few other people, people talked about it. Uh, and now it's gone. You know, now we're into bank fraud and, uh, you know, whatever else is happening. And they were broadcasting Rush Limbaugh's house just sold for a whole bunch of money. So this, the real news disappears. Well, this is, this is the source of real news here. We're not going to let that disappear so quickly. So probably for, the, for most of this week, um, I'll be talking about this. Now, tomorrow I'll bring it up, too, because we have a very, very special guest tomorrow, and that is Brandon Straka of uh, Hashtag Walkaway. And so he initially left the Democrat Party. Uh, started a Facebook group, got like half a million followers uh, of his group of people that said, you know what, Marxism sucks, we're leaving. And so they did. And then it got uh, banned, I think, by Facebook. They took it off, just like they took off our Dr. Zelenko um, Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse because we were giving out information on ivermectin. (laughs) I think that's what got us off uh, uh, Facebook, which, of course, the information was true. And, you know, directly. But it was the only place I know where people could talk directly to Dr. Zelenko. Um, on, on our, our Facebook page because we became friends uh, early on before everybody else caught on to who he was and what he was doing. Uh, we, we had him quite, quite early in the process, which is great. I even wrote a bill about that. Okay, so, so, that's, what's, uh, so that's what's going on with, with – well, anyway, back to Brandon. So I started that, and then he was in the, the January 6th Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. That's what we call it, okay? So I'm, I've been calling it that since January 7th. <laughs> You know, as soon as we found out that the uh, the doors were open, the the the, the uh, restrictive signs were down, you know, the National Guard wasn't there, and the Capitol Hill police were playing tour guide um, for uh, you know January six uh, folks, Trump supporters who simply wanted to make sure that the government did what they're supposed to do, which is to take on both the uh, Trump electors and the Brandon electors and resolve the issue, uh, you know, as to who who's who. That's what they wanted. That's why they went there. Well, of course, that's not what happened. Uh, Mike Pence betrayed the nation. 
he betrayed the Constitution, betrayed himself, uh, only so he could be the nominee for president, he thinks, you know, in 2024, by sabotaging Trump and keeping Trump from becoming, uh, you know, from after winning the election from becoming president, because he immediately dumped, all, dumped the Trump electors in the battleground states and just took the Brandon ones without challenge. And then, of course, they all went underground and they all got their arms twisted. And uh, the Christina Bob version, because uh, we had her on the show, is that uh, they were told, well, you don't want to be like those Trump insurrectionists. You better vote for Brandon. And, of course, I believe it's a lot stronger than that. Uh, my version is that uh, they had their arms twisted, literally. <laughs> you know, they were told, you're not going to get a campaign job if you don't support Brandon. I mean, this is the way it is. So, so we're, not, uh, we're not asking you. We're telling you. Vote for Brandon. That's your job. If you if, if you ever, you know, otherwise, you know, you'll never work in this town again. You know, the old Hollywood thing. Right. So that's what I think happened under there. So he was up there and he got arrested. And I think he spent three months in jail. Um, so I don't focus on that so much. Everybody else seems to talk about that. I want to talk about his new organization, Walkaway Social. And there's, there's two parts. To it. There's, there's the Walkaway. Those are the Democrats who have left the I've been, I've been doing a lot of research on this. This is kind of cool. So the Democrats who have left the Democrat Party or the people, excuse me, that's probably a more accurate phrase. The people who have left the Democrat Party uh, are known as the, the walkaway folks. Uh, I actually, I'm a Republican walkaway, so I'm a, I'm a uh, GOP skipper. <laughs> we, 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 need, we need the equivalent walkaway for, for Republicans. I guess it would be, uh, uh, you know, from those of us who left the gelding old party, you know, because <laughs> we still have our gonads. So we, we left the, the, the Republican geldings uh, long behind. I'll think of something. You know, it won't take long. Anyway, so he has walk away. Uh, then he has walk with. So if you've been a uh, conservative, you know, your whole life, uh, walk with. So I guess I'm kind of like walk away, walk with. But I walked away a long time ago. I walked away back in college uh, from being a liberal uh, after spending uh, an internship in Washington. Uh, and then a couple of years later, I, I had the fortune um, to go to the full the gap on, on uh, the Eastern Front uh, between uh, communist East Germany and uh, free West Germany, and right there where the tanks go through. In fact, I had somebody uh, um, earlier who was, uh, who was on the show. Sarge. It was Sarge. Sarge was on live chat. Then Sarge called in. Let me check live chat, see if anybody's there. Uh, so I have my here. Here's my, my good day around the world all, and all the ships at sea. <laughs> oh, I, I, miss, I misdid that. I'll have to. Uh, I, I typed all twice. Let me try that one. Let me we write another message. Uh, good day to all. Good day to the world. Do the world. R-L-D. I can't spell. You try tapping around the microphone. You think it's easy? In all the ships. Yeah, see. There was a famous announcer that used to say that, you know, good morning, America, and all the ships at sea. I don't know. It's Paul Harvey. Yeah, good morning, America. And now page two, here is the news. Mm. <laughs> it almost sounds like Yoda. <laughs> that's why it's so easy to do Paul Harvey. All right, so there we go. So you can type in the live chat, and that's worldwide. Just get a free account uh, at the bottom of the page. Anyway, so Brandon's going to be on tomorrow. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to introduce, introduce him to another concept that uh, I came up with, which is walk towards. So he's got walk away. So the opposite of walk away is walk towards. So, but you have to have walk towards something positive. So walking away from the Republicans or walking with you know, America first, conservatives, patriotic Americans. Uh, that's where I am and have been since, you know, the Berlin Wall, uh, quite honestly, um, and, and seeing the full of the gap. And I had a great time in Germany in 1982. I mean, I saw all this is incredible stuff. The wall came down a few years later when Reagan was there. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I, I don't do Reagan yet. I'll work on it. Uh, yeah, just uh, sort of doing a doctor a fascist. Yeah, the one that says we have a mask. He's still talking about it. You know, it says that uh, there isn't a Wuhan lab. It didn't happen there. It happened somewhere else. 
sort of a mixed Boston and a Brooklyn accent. I'll work on my, my Dr. Fascist too. Anyway, so the idea is walking towards, and what, I want, what I'm going to encourage him to walk towards is citizen legislation. I mean, I want to work directly with Brandon Straka and uh, walk away social. And the idea is that uh, if I can interest him in some of our bills, particularly vaccine product liability, um, and the second one would be uh, our, our anti-big tech censorship. And then I want to see if he wants to write a couple of bills. And a couple things came to mind. One is that, uh, and I'll talk to Jonathan about this. I want to get him on it as well, is that the, the judges are illegally denying uh, a writ of habeas corpus. In other words, to have the body. So in other words, you know, show me the goods. So a, a writ of habeas corpus is when a lawyer goes to a judge and say, you're, you're keeping my, my client here on pretrial. Um, you know, show me the goods, show me the evidence, show me what you got, you know, and, and if you don't have the, if you don't have the evidence to hold them, you know, for trial, then they're out. That's, a, that's basically what a writ of habeas corpus is. I should write that down for Jonathan. He can probably explain it better. Jonathan, 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 habeas. But what I want to have, what I'm going to ask Brandon to do, so let's go writ of habeas corpus, H-A-B-E. It literally means it's Latin for to have the body, habeas corpus. So what I'm going to ask Brandon tomorrow if he would like to write a bill with uh, like an automatic punishment for any judge that refuses a writ of habeas corpus. So in other words, a judge says that that should be automatic removal from the branch, disbarment, 10 years prison, and I don't know, half a million dollar fine. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, it, it is such an egregious thing to abridge the constitution that we really need to start putting serious, and I do mean serious penalties. So that, that would, so if a judge denies a writ of habeas corpus, I mean, openly violates the constitution, something they've sworn to uphold, you know, so we're not talking about somebody who's just taken this lightly, someone who's been through years of law school, years of loyal, lawyer practice, probably years of trial experience, gets to be a judge. Um, and then if they deny a writ of habeas corpus, yeah, what would I say? Uh, removal, from the, removal from the bench, automatic disbarment, uh, 10 years in prison and a half a million dollar fine. Yeah, that would do it. That would discourage it. Yeah, all the judges would take writs of habeas corpus. Okay, that's what they're supposed to do. The second thing I want to talk to him about is, is a bill I've had in mind for a while. Uh, and that would be to eliminate membership in a political party when somebody is serving in an elective office, because it is a conflict of interest for people to try to have to represent their party in order to get campaign funds and committee chairs and things like that uh, and represent the American people at the same time. Guess who loses? We do. That's why you don't have any representation in Washington, all right? Because you, you may vote for them, but you only vote for the people the party chooses. You know, I mean, your vote is so limited. I mean, how many times have you been able to see a libertarian or a green or a constitution or a Christian constitution or a peace and freedom or any of the American labor or even the Communist Party? You know, how many times have you seen those candidates you know, get anywhere? You, they don't because the Democrats and the Republicans control everything. However, if you take away all their power uh, in Congress, you're going to take away most of their power in the rest of the world, too, because, you know, who cares? Right. If you can't if you can't be a member of, of a party and be in Congress and people go, oh, free speech, Greg, free speech. Really? The parties can say anything they want. They can raise the money they want. They can spend money on behalf of any candidate they want. There's nothing against free speech, but they, people can't just belong to them you know, while, they're in, uh, while they're serving in Congress because it, it denies them the ability to represent their people, us. Anyway, let's go to Michael Schellenberger. Oh, actually, let me take a, it's probably a good time to take a quick, uh, let me, a couple minutes here. So Michael Schellenberger is one of the journalists that was there uh, in Congress last week and whose story has been promptly forgotten simply because, because it, it's good. You know, I've got his testimony. Um, he'll explain the, the censorship industrial complex. That comes from um, Eisenhower's military industrial complex. Well, the censorship industrial complex, in other words, the business of suppressing information has become an industry. 
uh, it's, it's fascist in nature because it involves both corporations and government as a single entity. But it's now 7.23. Let me note the time, as they say. Trying to make my show notes better. And if I know the time when the breaks are, then I can, I can do this more effectively. All right. Oh, now it's 7.24. <laughs> I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gravecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. 
We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Yes, in an attempt to put all my cliches for the show in one place, <laughs> that's where they all went. But it's true. You know, we, we do things that no one else has ever done. We do things no one else has ever thought of. That's what makes it so much fun to be here during this show. All right, so this happened last week. I've got three articles here uh, that we're going to be covering for most of the week. And last week was the hearing on uh, the weapons, weaponiz- slow down, Greg. The weaponization of the federal government. You'd think a professional in radio would... would Eventually learn, learn how fast to talk, but no. <laughs> Just, as soon as I get carried away, I go into my, uh, my, my uh, rapid mode because I, I think fast, I, I talk fast, and I, I very slowly. <laughs> That's what causes me grief all the time. All right, so, so Michael Sellenberger, I'm going to find out who he is in just a little bit here. I was not familiar with him. He testified with uh, Robert or John Talibi uh, in front of Congress uh, last week, and his testimony is titled The Censorship Industrial Complex. That's what he calls it. This is U.S. government support for domestic censorship and disinformation campaigns 2016 to 2022. So that's eight years, right? Which is uh, six years, excuse me. Uh, 16. Math is not my strong point either. Uh, so six years. Now, what happened in 2016? Well, Trump was elected. So this really probably started back in 2015 uh, as they were gearing up for, for the, the fraud. In fact, I wrote an article. Uh, I should probably republish this on, on Substack called Media Vote Fraud. And Media Vote Fraud... Uh, is where the media is so disingenuous, so dishonest, so disgusting, so disreputable that uh, they actually you know, throw an election uh, by their false news and false reporting. So this is, they, they should call this the, the projection you know, censorship industrial complex because the people that are doing most of the, of the real uh, disinformation, in other words, lies, <laughs> you know, uh, are the very people who are accusing everybody else of doing it. You know, that's how you can tell a, you know, a guilty person from an innocent person. You know, the simplest way is, is when uh, we all know how this works, right? You accuse an innocent person of something and go, well, you're crazy. I didn't do that. Well, I was, you know, here or there or they didn't even have to have a reason. Just say, you're an idiot. That's what an honest person says. Guilty person says, how dare you accuse me? Like, who do you, you, don't you know who I am? What are you, what are you thinking? What, what's your problem? You know, what have you been doing? You know, so they try to turn it back on you. That's what a guilty person does. Well, same thing here. And same thing with, uh, with, with censorship. So the government who is censoring you, who is censoring the information, who's censoring me every single day. You know, I've been I've been censored massively uh, since uh, February uh, of 2020 when I said that uh, the government response to COVID is a complete and total hoax. We don't need vaccines. We already have the cure. This is there is no pandemic. This will be over really soon if we just simply follow the early treatments. And I was absolutely right. Doesn't mean I didn't get censored. <laughs> I know exactly what censorship. I'm censored to this day. Why do you think I want to talk to Brandon Straka? Help us break out of it. Anyway, so so if he can help us break out with his you know half a million followers. Uh, that's a lot of bills in Congress. If, if people start sending the bill links in, think about that. Even if 10%, 50,000 people start sending bill links for vaccine product liability and big tech censorship into Congress, that's a landslide. 
<laughs> you know, so uh, that, that, that's what I'm hoping for. Is, is a, you know, th- th- this is this could be the kickoff of the peaceful revolution. At least that's what I'm hoping. All right, well, let me readjust. Ah, so crazy. I need better furniture. <laughs> I really do. I'll, I'll get an upgrade someday. You know, maybe, I should, maybe I should have bought Rush Limbaugh's house for what twenty million or whatever, you know, however much it cost. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so. This is so fascinating. So this is a testimony by Michael Schellenberger. That's Schellenberger, excuse me. S-H-E-L-L-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R to the House Select Committee. And the ta- even the table of contents is, is interesting. He's got the summary, which we're going to read. I'm going to read. He's got the censorship industrial complex today. And that's probably as much as I'll get if, if I get, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I've got Jonathan coming at the top of the hour. But listen to this. Censorship industrial complex today. Definition and mission. National Science Foundation funding, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, that's DARPA, key organizations and key individuals. That alone might take us two days. Uh, The next one, the complex's disinformation campaigns, the Trump-Russian collusion conspiracy theory, 2016 to 2019, delegitimizing the COVID lab leak theory, 2020 to 21, that's still going on. Well, there's, you know, we knew about COVID. Uh, Bill Gertz, courtesy of uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Peter Pry, Bill Gertz, national security uh, reporter for the Washington Times, February 25th, 2020. Okay. Clint, uh, Trump had just been travel from China like weeks earlier. And we were already on talking about the Wuhan lab. He told us all about it. I post the show. Easy to find. And then, of course, the last one is the Hunter laptop, uh, Hunter Biden laptop uh, conspiracy theory, 2020, 2020 to 2021. And he's got other things. He's got key events. 2017, new knowledge runs disinformation campaign against Republican Senate candidate in Alabama. That would be Roy Moore. Okay. So Roy Moore was completely trashed. Uh, you know, they lied. They said, well, he had uh, what sex with a 14 year old in a shopping mall or something. Whoop. See it again. Hang on. Ah. <sighs> Little things that drive you crazy. Like my chair. <laughs> okay. Fine. That's taken care of. Uh, so anyway, so that's it. So Roy Moore's campaign. Next one, a former FBI employee Reb's website that falsely accuses ordinary Twitter users of being Russian bots. Oh, yeah, that's right. Everybody who disagrees with the Marxists is, is a Russian. <laughs> Where did Marxism come from? You know, Stalin, <laughs> Lenin in Russia. And where did it originate? Karl Marx. Where is he from? Germany. <laughs> okay, so it's not an American idea. 2018 Senate Intelligence Report on Russian Interference. Uh, 2020 Election Integrity Partnership. That's the Aspen Insert Workshop trains top journalists to pre-bunk, hack and leak, COVID censorship, lab leak theory, uh, mask skepticism, and then he's got uh, 2021, DHS expands in its censorship powers, DHS. That's the Department of Homeland Security. Expands censorship powers? This is what was broadcast last week. Now, how come this isn't you know, ongoing national news and, uh, and everything else is happening? Why isn't this huge? This is why I want to go through this entire report, and I don't care how many days it takes to do it. We'll talk about it as we go. Here's another section, climate change and energy, 2022, U.S. government funds disinformation index and NewsGuard to drive advertisers away from disfavored news media. Guess what I have for my other two websites? Yeah, uh, the, the Global Disinformation Index and NewsGuard. I post them both on Facebook on the Action Radio Special Investigations page. So what they're doing is they're trying to take all the money out of anybody who disagrees with them. Then it's got Center of Department, creation of Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. Those are the same folks that they said before they're going to have. Remember that? You know, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm sure it's still there. Then we've got uh, Diresta and Stamos hype, foreign disinformation threat. Then it's got recommendations. Defund the censorship industrial complex. We're going to talk about that. Two, mandate instant reporting of all communications between government officials and contractors with social media executives 
relating to content moderation. I actually don't need to do that. You know, uh, it'd be nice to know when they're communicating. They should do it openly and publicly. Um, but uh, what, uh, if I have my bill that gets through, our big tech censorship bill, which says that, any, that uh, big tech can be sued if they touch your account, touch your postings, uh, touch the arrangement of search engines, we could find out all this. Uh, we could find out all their collusion with government in their fascist enterprise uh, in discovery. Then it says reduce scope of Section 230. I've got to find a way to get in touch with this guy because I've already, I know how to reduce the scope of Section 230. I wrote it over a, a year and a half ago. You know, and I should find out exactly what it's been a while. All right, so that's what we're looking at right now. So let's get into this. Let me just do a quick check. Uh, phone numbers, comments. Let's see, live chat. Anybody? Nope, no one's on live chat. Uh, no one's calling in. It's just me. <laughs> just me. You're stuck with me. All right. So executive summary. So let's get to see how far we get in this. In, 19, in his 1961 farewell address, President Dwight Eisenhower warned of the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Eisenhower feared that the size and power of the complex or cluster of government contractors and the Department of Defense would endanger our liberty or democratic processes. How? Through domination of the nation's scholars by the federal government, project allocations, and the power of money. He feared public policy would become the captive of a scientific technological elite. <laughs> kind of has, right? He says Eisenhower's fears were fully founded. This is testimony before Congress. This is under oath. Okay, this is why I'm reading it um, verbatim. I'm not gonna, I'll comment on it, but I'm not going to change anything here. Uh, but that's, that's where this comes from, just in case you're wondering. Eisenhower's fears were well-founded. Today, American taxpayers are unwittingly financing the growth and power of a censorship industrial complex run by America's scientific and technological elite. In other words, um, uh, oh, this? I've forgotten, uh, uh, Patrick Woods. Patrick Woods would call this technocracy. These are technocrats. In other words, technology and bureaucracy merging you know, through fascism. So he says, run by America's scientific and technological elite. In other words, the technocracy. And then he says, which endangers our liberties and democracy. Okay, he, doesn't, he hasn't figured out we're a republic yet, but I, I can talk to him about that. He says, I'm grateful for the opportunity to offer this testimony and sound the alarm over the shocking and disturbing emergence of state-sponsored censorship in the United States of America. You know, that, don't we have a constitution against that? So in other words, all these people need to be, so government, censor, government censorship should probably carry the same um, penalty as a judge who, um, you know, who, viol- who, viol- who violates the right of habeas corpus, 10 years in prison, half a million dollar fine, uh, and barring, oh, it's in this case, barring from ever serving in the, in the federal government in any capacity. Well, it seems fair. He says the Twitter files, state attorneys, general lawsuits, and investigative reporters have revealed a large and growing network of government agencies, academic institutions, and non-governmental organizations that are actively censoring American citizens. That's a crime, folks. <laughs> uh, I, I refer you to Title 18, Section 241 of the Federal Code, uh, USC, Federal Code, which says anytime two or more people conspire to oppress uh, the exercise or enjoyment of a constitutional right, that's fines in a jail term. So we've got, the, we've got the law to put all these people away. And there's no immunity for government. None. If you're violating constitutional rights, I don't care who you are. Remember, isn't Hillary Clinton that proudly says no person's above the law? Yeah, not even her. Twitter files. So back to this. Okay, it says often with a, so actively uh, censoring American citizens, often without their knowledge, on a range of issues, including the origins of COVID, COVID vaccines, emails relating to Hunter Biden's business dealings, climate change, renewable energy, fossil fuels, which we call organic fuels, and many other issues. 
I offer some cautions. I do not know how much of the censorship is coordinated beyond what we have been able to document. And I will not speculate. I will. <laughs> I speculate all the time, right? He says, I recognize that the law allows Facebook, Twitter, and other private companies to moderate content on their platforms. And I support the right of governments to communicate with the public, including to dispute inaccurate and misleading information. Okay. I do not recognize the ability of Facebook, Twitter, and other private companies to moderate content on their platforms. Um, if they're open to the public, they're open to the public. You know, if they allow extremist leftist views, they have to, uh, you know, uh, like socialism, Marxism, communism, fascism, all the other isms, okay, then they have to allow all political views. You can't do that. So moderate content, the only way that I think they could moderate content is if they are a specific site that only has certain things. In other words, if you have a Facebook, uh, you know, uh, Facebook were just for, for legal issues, then if you're outside that, that's okay. But that, that'd be a subject matter limitation. That wouldn't be a, a blatant violation of free speech. But you see, what this guy fails to understand uh, is public accommodation. So he says they're a private company. In other words, we think private companies can do what they want, but private companies can't do what they want if they're open to the public. Okay. In other words, a private restaurant cannot, cannot uh, you know, ban black people from coming in like the Democrat South used to do. And that's called segregation. You can't do that. If you're open to the public, then, you have to, then you're open to all the public. Right? If you're social media, you're, you're open to everybody. You, you can't discriminate against anybody being on social media if you're open to the public. That's called public accommodation. Anything else would be censorship, uh, would be segregation, excuse me. So, these, so, so social media engages in segregation of conservatives and independents and free thinkers and anybody that disagrees with them. Well, they can't do that because right? now they're acting like the state censors. They're acting like government by doing that. Now, government gave them this power, and that was unjust too. Government, you know, Congress could not give social media the power to, uh, you know, say who can do what and who, what, you know, what, what, all these community standards and all this uh, lowering in the news feed and uh, shadow banning. They can't do any of that. So that's not legal. They're open to the public as an open forum, period. Anything else is segregation and segregation, as we know, is illegal. So he's wrong. <laughs> okay. We'll see how it goes, though. He's probably got a lot of good information, but he's, well, he's a liberal. What do you want? But he's wrong on that. You know, public accommodation trumps any, uh, uh, any idea that a private company can do what they want. Private companies can produce what they want. They can give the goods and services that they want. They're free to engage in hiring, firing, and, and all kinds of things. But they can't pollute. You know, they can't, do it, uh, you know, they can't just burn up all their, their chemicals from a railroad spill. You know, <laughs> the EPA did, but that's probably illegal too. You know, but companies cannot just do what they want, private companies. You know, can, can private clubs be exclusive? Yeah, if you're, the, if you're the Columbus Society and you only want Italian-Americans to belong, that's okay. You're a private organization. You know, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, Egyptians can walk in and join that. You know, see, excuse me, you're not an Italian-American. Yeah, I'm Egyptian. What's your problem? Well, this is the Columbus Society. It's a private organization. We don't take taxpayer money and you can't come in. Oh, okay, no problem. That's perfectly fine, okay? For the same reason the Egyptian Society doesn't have to let in uh, Italian-Americans. <laughs> You know, those are private organizations. They're not operating for business, for a profit, open to the public. Because once they're open to the public, it's accommodation. They seem to forget that, but this is an argument I've been making for a long time. Back to the testimony. He says, but good officials have been caught repeatedly pushing social media platforms to censor disfavored users and content. That is blatantly legal. Oh, I've come up with a new term for uh, DEI, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, it's division, extortion, and idiocracy. <laughs> so DEI now stands for Division, Extortion, and Idiocracy. That's what DEI is. 
put that away in your, in your, in your new conservative glossary. He says, government officials have been caught repeatedly pushing, I don't care about that. Often these acts of censorship threaten the legal protection social media companies need to exist, Section 230. Now, here he's right, okay? So here's, well, let me read a little bit more. So it says, if government officials are directing or facilitating such censorship, notes George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley, it raises serious First Amendment questions. It is axiomatic that the government cannot do indirectly what it is prohibited from doing directly. In other words, if government cannot censor because it violates the First Amendment, government cannot make companies censor because it, it's still government acting and it still violates the First Amendment. Okay? Which says Congress can make no law bridging free speech or freedom of the press or freedom of religion or freedom to assemble or freedom to uh, redress grievances. I mean, I'm just doing that from memory, but I believe those are the components of the First Amendment. He's, uh, he's, he's right, and we'll see how this goes. He says, uh, he says, often these acts of censorship threaten the legal protection social media companies need to exist. Okay, so let's talk about our bill. Now, I have a bill that I wrote a year and a half ago uh, to end big tech censorship. And what, what uh, Congress did that was illegal was they said to big tech, if you act in good faith, you can remove anything off the Internet you want that you find objectionable even stuff that's protected by the First Amendment. That's what they said. That's what Section 230 says. Well, they can't. That's the part that's illegal. That's the part that you have to take away. What they did that was legal, that was legal, and that should remain, and to make this work, is that they are protected from anything anybody posts. So there's two parts of Section 230. The second part, the part that says they can remove whatever they want, that has to go. That's blatantly unconstitutional. It's illegal. Government cannot make cannot give a power to a, to a, a publicly uh, accommodating company the ability to restrict itself, you know, like a, like a private organization. Sorry, can't do it. But the first part's critical. So in other words, the way my bill works is it says that uh, the first part, that social media and search engine companies, in other words, uh, interactive computer services, things that have providers and users, all right, are completely immune from liability for anything that anybody, anybody does who uses uh, interactive computer services. So whoever uses search engines, if they make a bomb, if there's information on how to make a bomb and someone uses the internet how to make a bomb, they're liable for that, both criminally and civilly, you know, for doing that. Uh, but the internet provider, Google, is not liable for putting that information there. Okay, because information is information. It's just like guns. It's not that keeping and bearing is the problem. It's the way people use them in criminal ways. Well, the manufacturer is not responsible for that. <laughs> That's just silly, right? Anyway, so the way, the way our bill works, and it's, it's very straightforward, again, writeyourlaws.com, go to writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Click on legislation, click on all proposed laws, click on our big tech bill. It maintains liability immunity for big tech, for social media and search engines. So no matter what anybody posts, no matter what anybody does with their account, no matter what anybody does with the information on search engines, they are not liable. They are immune. However, and this is the big however. I, mean, I should probably get the Wuhan gong for that. This is, this is critical to understand. If you understand this, you'll understand everything. However, he said, as, he, as he's scrolling frantically to find the Wuhan gong, uh, to, where's my gong? However, here we go. That liability is conditional. Okay? That liability is conditional. That liability immunity is conditional. I should have said immunity. That liability immunity of big tech 
that they are not liable for anything anybody posts, anything anybody does, anything anybody uh, you know does in their name, anybody's account. They are not liable for that. However, <laughs> unless they touch <laughs> you know anything. In other words, in other words, if they try to do that second part, okay. So you take out the second part and say, okay, you guys, big tech. Okay, you're not liable for anything posts. You're not liable for anybody's account. You're not liable for anything uh, as a result of a search on a search engine. You're not liable for that. You're immune. Okay, you're all immune. So you're off the hook. You don't have to worry about it. So because they're immune, they, they, there's no reason to enforce anything online or remove anything online because they're immune. They're, this is why you do it. You make immune from anything post on social media or any results of search engines so they don't have to worry about it. They're immune. It's not their fault. Okay, the same reason gun manufacturers are immune if a criminal goes out and uh, kills people. Uh, the, the same reason that, uh, you know, whiskey distilleries, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam are immune from everybody that drinks, you know, 10 shots of whiskey and goes out and kills a bunch of people. They just made the whiskey. They're not responsible for the use of it. Okay. Oh, they do say drink responsibly. Okay, that's good. In the same way, big tech, if someone uses big tech information, you know, but how do big tech information? Well, to find COVID cures, to get the truth on COVID. To get the fact that pilots, you know, are, that we've had the third incident this month where a pilot was incapacitated and the other pilot had to land. In this case, the co-pilot flight from uh, got on my Facebook, uh, uh, Guatemala to uh, somewhere in the United States. Uh, uh, the pilot couldn't fly, so the co-pilot, the junior officer, the younger person, you know, had to had to land the plane, <laughs> which is no problem. They do that all the time. I mean, they always trade off duties, but that's not the point. The point is, you can't fly an airplane with one people. Commercial airliners have to have two fully functional flight crew in order to be legal. And if one person is incapacitated, then the other person has to land right now. That's how it works, okay? So that kind of information has to be out there. So big tech, what they're doing is just censoring stuff they don't like as opposed to censoring stuff that um, you know, they may find uh, as the categories go, lewd, lascivious, uh, graphically violent, or other stuff, or what they also say, otherwise objectionable. In other words, conservatives, <laughs> you know, anything that goes against the government. All right, so the key, let me, let me sum up, the key to understanding our bill on big tech censorship says part one, they are, they have liability immunity for any way that anybody uses social media and search engines. They are immune. So there's no reason to touch content, right? If they, and the second part, this is a critical part. If they do touch content messages, accounts, or arrange the search engine results any way other than the raw number of hits, Okay. In other words, no algorithms, no massaging, no putting the liberals first, no nothing. As long as you don't touch the search results, just the raw number of hits determine, you know, placement order. All right. Well, except for the ones that are advertised, they're paying for it. That's different. You know, that, that's commercial. That's, that's not the scope of, this, of uh, this proposal. Don't touch the search engine results. Don't touch accounts. Don't touch messenger communications. Uh, don't touch postings. As long as they don't touch those in any way, they keep their liability immunity. If they do touch anything, any user in any way, they lose their immunity and you can sue them. And that's how you control them. If you can sue big tech for touching your account, shadow banning, restricting, you know, moderating, um, you know, content they didn't like, whatever it is, you know, or saying it's false information when you know it's true, but even saying it's false information, they, don't, they can't even do that. Then they lose their immunity and, and you sue them. And that's how you control it. It's very simple. So, but Greg, but Greg, and here's the question that always comes up. But Greg, but Greg, and I'm doing, a, I'm channeling Rush Limbaugh here, right? So, but, but Greg, what, what about nasty stuff, uh, you know, obscene stuff, you know, child porn, you know, horrible things like that? Well, that's why we have law enforcement. We already have laws against that. And, and, you know, my theory, you don't have to make something illegal twice, all right? It's already illegal 
Child porn is already illegal. So law enforcement can remove that from the Internet. Pornography is already illegal. That can be removed from the Internet. <laughs> okay? Uh, you know, especially for under-18 users, things like that. Uh, obscenity, there are obscenity laws. That can be removed from the Internet by law enforcement, local, state, and federal. All right? We have libel and slander laws. If you libel or slander somebody online, the courts can remove it you know, as part of a lawsuit. So the provisions to, to moderate content, as they say, or to limit content or remove things on the, on the Internet that are illegal already exist. We don't give that power to big tech. They're private companies. Private companies aren't sworn officers of the law. They don't take an oath to the Constitution. In fact, just opposite. It seems like they take an oath to government. That's, um, that's a sign line. But the point is that big tech cannot have law enforcement powers and government cannot give it to them. Yet that's exactly what happened with Section 230. That's why it's so bad. But I digress. <laughs> Let's get back to the testimony. I got about uh, six or seven minutes before Jonathan gets here. <sighs> back to the testimony. If before Congress, weaponization of the federal government, March 9th. If government officials are directing or facilitating such, censors, such censorship, notes George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley, it raises serious First Amendment questions. It is axiomatic that the government cannot do indirectly what is prohibited from doing directly. In other words, if a company is directed by the government to do something that the government would normally do themselves, that's called creating a state actor. In other words, they're acting as the state or on behalf of the state. Can't do that. Testimony continues. Moreover, we know that the U.S. government has funded organizations that pressure advertisers to boycott news media organizations and social media platforms that refuse to censor or spread disinformation, including alleged conspiracy theories. Gee, I wonder if the fact that I'm having trouble raising uh, sponsors, what do you think? Do you think I'm on the list? I'll have to take a look. Or maybe I'm just so oppressed that I'm not big enough to be on the list yet. We'll find out. But uh, it would not surprise me. Uh, if, uh, if they say that Action Radio, because of, of the things we've been doing here, you know, telling the truth on COVID, writing citizen legislation, challenging all the powers that be, doing all the things we do here in our, in our peaceful revolution to bring about freedom uh, as this country was intended to be free at its founding, that's what we do here. That's the whole purpose of Action Radio, to bring about the freedom that this country was intended to have at its founding. Uh, I am sure that if, uh, if anybody's being, uh, having advertising dollars directed away, it's us. So I'm going to check. I'm going to check and see if we're on the Global Disinformation Index or we're part of NewsGuard. I tend to doubt it, again, because I'm so suppressed by social media. We're probably not big enough uh, to be on those lists to have our – they're already being censored. They don't have to censor us twice. (sighs) Here we go. The Stanford Internet Observatory, the University of Washington, the Atlantic Council's uh, Digital Forensics Research Lab, the Grafica, uh, it's G-R-A-P-H-I-K-A, probably Soviet Grafica, all have inadequately disclosed ties to the Department of Defense. Uh-oh, now it's getting interesting. The CIA and other intelligence agencies. Remember when uh, Chucky Schumer got up and said to uh, Trump, you better not go against the intelligence agencies. They have more ways to get you than you can imagine. Well, now I can imagine this. <laughs> he was right. So what does he know? Let's put uh, Chuck Schumer on the stand and have him spill the beans about this uh, connection between the Defense Department's, the CIA, uh, any of the other departments, probably the Obama uh, Institute and everybody in it, uh, and what's going on now. He says they work with multiple U.S. government agencies to institutionalize censorship. Institutionalize censorship, research and advocacy within dozens of other universities and think tanks. So you've got the universities, you've got the think tanks, 
You've got the CIA, you've got the Department of Defense, you've got the executive branch of the government, you've got the Justice Department, you've got the FBI, all colluding with big tech, social media, and search engines. Hmm, interesting group. He says it is important to understand how these groups function. They are not publicly engaging with their opponents in an open exchange of ideas. No, that's what we do here at Action Radio. Everything is open. You want to challenge me? Call the show, 215-383-3832. Tap in a message on live chat. You know, post something on my Facebook pages. I don't mind disagreement. I do it all the time. Oh, here we go. My buddy in uh, <clears throat> the Netherlands is there. Cyanide77. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you there. Feel free to type away. Um, let's get back to our testimony, Michael Schellenberger, before Congress. He says it is, uh, he says, it is important to understand how these groups function. They are not publicly engaging with their opponents. Okay, open exchange of ideas. Again, that's what we do. He says they aren't asking national debate over the limits of the First Amendment. Rather, they are creating blacklists of disfavored people, that would be us, I'm sure, and then pressuring, cajoling, and demanding that social media platforms censor, de-amplify, that would be shadow banning, uh, and even ban the people on these blacklists. Well, if we aren't on it, we, we, <laughs> we probably should be, because <laughs> of what we do here. He says, who are the censors? They are a familiar type, overly confident in their ability to discern truth from falsity, or just they just don't want opposition. He says, good intention from bad intention. The instinct of these hall monitor types is to complain to the teacher and, if the teacher doesn't comply, to go above them to the principal. Such an approach might work in the middle school and many elite universities <laughs> run by a bunch of spoiled brats for a bunch of spoiled brats, right? But it is an anathema to free and abuse of power. See, I, I disagree. This is where you know, I get after this guy being liberal. Um, you know, this isn't... Uh, they're not overly confident in their ability to discern truth from falsity. They're overconfident in their ability to run the world. I mean, let's be blunt about this. These people want to run the world. And it's easier to run the world if everybody says, oh, aren't you wonderful for running the world? People like me and all the other folks out there that are saying, no, the emperor has no clothes. You're naked. <laughs> You're ugly. <laughs> Go away. Put some clothes on. Hide. Leave the public forum. Leave it open. The free exchange of ideas. Freedom works. COVID would have been cured within uh, six to 10 weeks, like most viruses, with freedom. The cure for COVID was freedom. The cure for COVID was the free exchange of information on hydroxychloroquine, on ivermectin, on vitamin D3, on vitamin C, on zinc, on zithromycin, the Zelenko protocol. The cure for COVID was freedom. Freedom of information, freedom of exchange of information, freedom for doctors who were curing people to broadcast to other doctors what worked. Freedom from government mandates, freedom from masks that make you sicker because you're breathing in the same, you're, you're creating a breeding ground in front of your face. You have a nice, warm, moist, you know, cloth place for, for bacteria, germs, viruses, and everything else to grow. You know, I bet you they ever chart the, the, the people who wore masks. I'm sure they were far sicker than people who, and the virus, and the masks don't stop viruses anyway. You know, lockdowns, stress. Anytime you're stressed, your, your immune system drops. Anytime your immune system drops, you're more susceptible to a disease like COVID. So the lockdowns actually increase COVID by increasing stress and lowering your immune system. Immune systems work. Natural immunity works. We all know this. These are all truths. And they're all because of freedom. Freedom to go to the beach. The beach is probably the safest place with COVID. How long do you think a virus can survive ultraviolet, hot temperatures, beach sand, salt water, and a bunch of healthy people? Not very long. Okay? Microseconds. The beach was a safe place to be during COVID. And yet they closed the beaches. Even DeSantis closed the beaches in Florida. What an idiot. He was really stupid in the beginning of COVID. He's good now. He's great now. But in the beginning, moron. 
Back to the testimony. These organizations and others are also running their own influence operations under the guise of, quote, fact-checking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know about fact-checking. I get fact-checked every day. You know, I'm always seeing notices. Ray, Ray, I disapprove of your uh, thing here that certain people have said this isn't true. What certain people? Well, their staff, of course, you know, or, or, or some communist minion somewhere in China, you know, determining that what I say goes against what the CCP wants. That's probably where it all starts. Okay. He says the intellectual leaders of the censorship complex have convinced journalists and social media executives that accurate information is disinformation, that valid hypotheses are conspiracy theories, and that greater self-censorship results in more accurate reporting. See, none of that's true. This is fascinating. This is really good testimony. And, of course, he just reads it, and it goes over it. Nobody picks it up on the media. That's why I'm going over this. But this is fascinating. The intellectual leaders of the censorship complex have convinced journalists and social media executives. See, that should, if these people have free will and intelligence, that wouldn't have been done. Convinced journalists and social media executives that accurate information is disinformation. This is Orwellian. What are, what are, the, what are the things from, from 1984? Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Uh, war is peace. Remember those from Orwell, George Orwell, who wrote it in 1948, reverse it, and that's how it became 1984. Freedom is slavery, war is peace, ignorance is strength. Those are those. Now, now what's uh, Michael Schellenberger saying? Accurate information is disinformation, valid hypothesis is conspiracy theory, and greater, self, greater self-censorship results in more accurate reporting. That's Orwell. Those are the three, those are the three prongs of, of, Orwellian, uh, of the Orwellian um, censorship industrial complex right there there it is i could shut down the show right now and be done have done a good job well i'm gonna do it one more time the three prongs of orwellian dystopian <laughs> you know um censorship uh industrial complex is social media exec is saying that valid hypothesis is conspiracy greater self-censorship makes things more accurate uh, and accurate information is disinformation i went over that carefully just to keep it all in mind I wonder where Jonathan is. He should call. He should be, let's see, let's see if I have a message uh, from, from Jonathan. At, uh, he might be a couple minutes late. He's been a couple minutes late before. Anything? Oh, he's online. Hey, Jonathan, give me a call. I've got stuff to talk about. Uh, oh, let me type a little message. Where are you? Where are you? There we go. <laughs> Usually as soon as I type that. He calls right in. All right. So I got a little bit more over the. Uh, a little bit more until he calls in. Let's see if he has, let's see if the chat has a message. There's the. Oh, side 77. Uh, yeah, had a great weekend. <laughs> Catch them all, race. I'm all set to go for today. All right. So those, are, those, those, three, those three things are absolutely critical. Information is disinformation. Valid hypothesis is conspiracy theory. And self censorship makes more accurate reporting. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. He says, uh, he says it's, it's part of the, all this is part of the influence operation aimed at discrediting factual information. He says the censorship industrial complex combines established methods of psychological manipulation, some developed by the U.S. military during the global war on terror, with highly sophisticated tools from computer science, including artificial intelligence. The complex's leaders are driven by the fear that the Internet and social media platforms empower populist alternative and fringe personalities and views. Would that be me? <laughs> Which they regard as destabilizing. Working on it. <laughs> Federal government officials, agencies, and contractors have gone from fighting ISIS recruiters and Russian bots to censoring and deplatforming ordinary Americans and disfavored public figures. Well, I hope to be both, actually. <laughs> An ordinary American and a public figure. <laughs> Certainly working on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, importantly, the bar 
uh, it says, importantly, the bar for bringing in military-grade government monitoring and speech-countering techniques has moved from countering terrorism to countering extremism to countering simple misinformation. The government no longer needs a predicate of, of calling you a terrorist or extremist to deploy government resources to counter your political activity. The only predicate it needs is simply the assertion that the opinion you expressed on social media is wrong. These efforts extend to influencing and even directing con uh, conventional news media organizations. Since 1971, that's a back step. <laughs> Since 1971, when the Washington Post and New York Times elected to publish declassified, oh, excuse me, classified Pentagon papers about the war in Vietnam, journalists understood that we have a professional obligation to report on leaked documents whose contents are in the public interest, even when they have been stolen. And yet in 2020, the Aspen Institute and Stanford Cyber Policy, uh, Cyber Policy Center urged journalists to, quote, break the Pentagon Papers principle and not cover leaked information to prevent the spread of disinformation. <clears throat> All right, good. Jonathan's on the line now. Let me just talk about what disinformation is. Okay, real disinformation. Disinformation is a spy technique. In other words, when um, the D-Day operation, 1944, June 6th, right? June 6th was D-Day. What the, the British and the, and the American military did at that time, they had these, um, in fact, I think that the famous case, they took a, a, a dead soldier. They planted all kinds of false information on, on that soldier uh, and let him float when the currents would have taken him to uh, German-occupied France. Had all kinds of D-Day invasion plans. He had uh, the landing in Calais, and it was all detailed. Of course, it was all false. It, was, it literally was disinformation, intentional disinformation to convince the Germans that the, the D-Day landing was going to be at Calais. And pretty much it worked. And did, you know, the, you know, John, I don't know if Jonathan remembers that story. Let's bring him on. He, he knows a lot of stuff that I don't know that he knows. Jonathan, did you ever hear that story, the real disinformation of the soldier that was Absolutely. dead? You've heard about that uh, one? Absolutely. I, I stay home and watch TV and have no life like any good like <laughs> yeah, so, so no, the History Channel and, you know, Doc, a, a, it used to be the American Hero Channel for a while and all kinds of things. Um, they're tremendous. There, there's several documentaries. There's a movie. Um, it's, a, it's a really a stunning story. Mm -hmm. it, well, I mean, what I, we, we do here, you know, calling us disinformation simply because we object <laughs> to what the government's doing, the tyranny of the government, pointing out where they're violating our rights and everything else like that, and to comparing us to a dis information camp that saves, saved the lives of not only hundreds of thousands of soldiers, but probably many hundreds of thousands of, of French and, uh, and everybody else along the way to Germany, German citizens too. Uh, that, that was good disinformation. But what they're saying that we're doing, you know, it's like a communist calling you a communist, you know, when we're in your free market uh, American, uh, you know, constitutionalist. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, no, it's very interesting. There's, there's so much, there's so much to that. But um, mm -hmm. um, usually, the you know the the journalists of the day um, agreed not to publish certain things. It wasn't mm -hmm. that they didn't have the right to do it, and right. even the government recognized they had the right to do it. But they, but they voluntarily agreed to uh, to hang back for. The, you know, for, what, for what's good. And, and um, you know, sometimes there's, there'd be deals. Like if someone, if, if a journalist had the scoop, they'd say, look, we'll give you, we'll give you the scoop when, when it comes out, if you hang back on the mm -hmm. story. 
it wasn't the idea <clears throat> that the, 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 the free press could not report on it. It's just they prevailed upon their patriotism, which I find also interesting because we don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it's very interesting stuff. You, you, you saw, and I, and I didn't catch in on this conversation. I'm sorry. I'm running around here. Um, Not sure you, you saw that the <laughs> misdisinformation that uh, Scary Poppins, in fact, is she, is, you know, well, I, you know, I, I hate to comment on people's looks, but but <clears throat> is she actually a biological woman? I wonder. Who are you um, talking about? The the woman who is who is going to head up the disinformation. Um, oh, her. I think she's female, she but I don't prom. think she. I don't. I don't think she went to her senior prom. <laughs> I see. Well, um, the thing is, I mean, she's not unattractive, but she just. I, I don't know. Um, well, the so point the is, is she's is, dangerous. I mean, I don't care what she looks like. You know, she's she's dangerous. She yeah, we have that, to uh, avoid this. Yeah. You know, I, I, it bothers me when conservatives comment on media or something about somebody's looks. Like, that's, that's well, just I, not that's the first I've heard of it. I never, I've never commented on her looks until now. Well, anyway, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. so she's, um, she looks a bit like Dylan, the other. But anyway, the point being that <clears throat> she has sued um, or for defamation for um, exposing her as, as basically a uh, – um, totalitarian, you know, censor. Well, she, she I mean, she's still, she's still plainly for disinformation. And the thing is, the part of the issue is these people are so far down the rabbit hole that it's okay to censor that uh -huh. when you say, you know, you're, you're censoring people, they don't, they're, they're like, they can't comprehend what you're talking about. You know, it's like, it's like they like, and it's like the um, I don't know if you were commenting on the Twitter hearings last last week. Oh, yes. Uh, well, it wasn't the Twitter hearing. I was doing the weaponization. In fact, I actually had the testimony of Michael Schellenberger. I was reading it, the actual testimony right. before Congress. Uh, this week's but, all going to be what, about. Go ahead. Well, what's it? I mean, normally, normally one would ignore the rantings and ravings of of the Democrats um, in, in, in that in that scenario, but uh -huh. it's instructive. Their questioning, although completely ridiculous as usual, is mm -hmm. um, blatant that, you know, uh, censoring people is a good thing. I mean, they're trying to, they were, they were trying to make the case in, in asking, you know, phony questions of the uh, Schellenberger and Matt Slaby. Mm -hmm. Matt, you know, that's they, his they, first weren't, name. Look, they weren't asking questions to get an answer from the witnesses. They mm -hmm. were asking questions to make a point. And their point was, is that, you know, shouldn't, you know, we should censor, you know, it's kind of like we didn't censor, but we should, you know, but we didn't censor people, but I'm so glad we did. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, so the, the, the Democrats' position was just flat-out pro-censorship. Uh-huh, absolutely. So, which begs the question, where did the real Democrats go? And when did they get replaced by Marxists? 
You know, you had exactly. I mean, Democrats had, had the ACLU. I mean, they used to believe in free speech. I had Melba Pearson, who's the Florida vice chair of, of uh, in fact, I played the interview, I guess, maybe a couple of months ago uh, from the ACLU in Florida. I'm going to try and get her on again. We, we talked a lot about stuff, uh, agreed on some, disagreed on most. But, um, you know, we could talk. I mean, she was she's what I call a liberal. You know, we disagree on stuff. But the Marxists that want to completely suppress free speech, that's a whole different story. And that's what the Democrat Party's become. They used to, I mean, a liberal I define as someone who, who loves this country, loves the Constitution, loves our freedom, believes in the, the Bill of Rights, um, but just has a different way of getting there. In other words, you know, massive government policy programs and spending. That's the part I disagree with. I got no problem with that. I just disagree on how to get to, to maintain our, our, our country. The Marxists I define as someone that has no uh, interest in, in, our, in our country at all, no interest in our founding, no interest in our principles, no interest in individual rights, and wants a totalitarian dictatorship. That's the difference. <clears throat> Make sense? Right. Now, if you, absolutely. Now, if you want to take a massive detour. Um, it, it, Feel free. When, You're when our. Dad, Where are we going? When my dad, <laughs> um, I think, was driving back to camp um, in the Korean War, uh, they, went, they drove across country. And the guy had to turn around. They went back and they saw these tracks of a car going way out into the, into the desert in this flatland. They said, what's going on? Said, their buddy said, oh, I, I went off chase while you were sleeping as he was driving. I went off uh, chasing rabbits just to stay awake. Um, so talk about a ma- massive rabbit trail here. Um, <clears throat> but, but, but anyway, the, the, the left, that's why I say I have fallen into calling them leftists, not liberals. And I, and I think maybe it was this show that I forget who, who got me thinking about that. that me? Um, they, <laughs> I've been calling them leftists for a long time. I've been making that distinction for a while. Yeah. In fact, I just wrote an article for Substack. Actually, it's a, it's a, most of it's a reprint from a previous article I wrote. Same title. Uh, if there were no left in America, you know, what would we look like? And so uh, I've sent that to you. Well, yeah. Right. And, and, and there's the show back in the 80s. It was a TV show called America with a K. Um, yeah. And I, um, um, you know, there, it started out sort of with a presidential candidate who was trying to raise the alarm that we were in danger. This is before the invasion, before they took over, uh-huh. that um, this is, you know, that there was this communist infiltration and nobody was taking him seriously. And he claimed the U.S. government had already surrendered to the USSR, and, but, but, they, but the public wasn't being told about it. And so that's made me think for a long time, like, if we had, so, if, if, if we had already sold out and surrendered to the communists, to China, whatever, what would mm-hmm. be different? How, how, what, what could you point to say, nah, that hasn't happened? Um, you know, it's, it's like, it's not, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be terribly different. But, but remember that, as we have said here, um, most people think of communism from movies, and, and inaccurately, Russians, which it was not. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they too often they talk about the Ruskies, like, no, they were not Russians. They were the entire Russian empire. But anyway, so um, they had this massive, you know, they, they did not come from, you know, communism is not Russian. It, it, took, it took root in Russia, 
but it's Austrian and German. Karl Marx was part of the Austrian German um, philosophical school of atheistic, oh, masters of the universe, just like the WEF today, the World Economic Forum. Yeah, same you know, thing. The, the technocrats, you know, technocracy. You know, is Gramsci or, or the, the Italian guy that was the, the, the original origin, uh, originator of fascism and some of these other folks, some of the Prussians way back when? Same group. We run yeah, well, we, we would sit around and, you know, we, people would sit around the faculty lounge and redesign, you know, humanity based on yeah. their complete lack of experience with real life. And <laughs> um, it's like I was listening to C-SPAN. I, uh-huh. I had to come up to Washington, D.C. to empty out my storage. Um, and we have C-SPAN radio here. We have C-SPAN mm-hmm. on radio. Mm-hmm. In the in the nation's capital, and I was listening to people about COVID nineteen, and they were talking about how <clears throat> how um you know we needed to have a nationalized response. We need you know we needed to have a consistent response and everything, and it was terrible that we had fifty states and you know and and the guy keeps saying on C-SPAN as well. They um he says in turn. It's funny how he phrases, and I think, don't think he realized what he was doing, which is in terms of masks and vaccines, the blue, you know, the, the northeastern states did better, not in terms of results, <laughs> but in terms of in, in terms of wearing masks and taking vaccines. You know, the 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 um, Democrat. No, he didn't say Democrat, but the northeast states did a better job of just complying of putting on a mask with holes a hundred times bigger than the, than the virus. <laughs> um, that. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it is. I forget the exact number, but I don't want to overstate the case, but Oh, I do. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's big. It's like the, uh, you know, it's like the, the vaccine, the virus going through the holes of your mask. is like a, it's like a sparrow flying through the grand Canyon. Um, <laughs> so that's a great analogy. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. I mean that you know that Grand Canyon mm-hmm. is going to stop the 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 the, spirit, the, the birds. Um, mm-hmm. So so anyway, you know so it, so it made me think, and I wanted to call in, except I knew I'd waste my time. Was, okay, so we would have had a much better. Would you agree we would have had a much better COVID response if we had a fascist dictator, right? Well, response, we had, you know, but the response had, was wrong. I, I just made the point. I made this exact point just before you came on the show, that freedom is what cured COVID and would have cured it in about six to 10 weeks. Because I published a chart in another one of my Substack articles, the chart from uh, mid-July of 2020, that showed COVID death rates heading for zero. You know, well, the government I mean, brought it back. His, I mean, in terms of his framework, mm-hmm. the, the speaker's framework, I would have said that, that what, what you think – would have been the right, you know, a better way to handle COVID in terms of this, um, you know, this communist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if only we had a dictator who could order everybody to comply. Yep. Because um, that's pretty much what he was, ar- you know, just paraphrasing what he was arguing. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so people, you know, again, I keep saying that when people hear communists, they think of movies they've watched in which the communists wear Russian fur hats and speak Russian. And we have to keep reminding people that's not communism. That's just one place where communism took root is in Russia. And then it was a big battle. And, you know, there was a, there was a battle in China 
it, it stopped during World War II, and then it resumed, and the communists took over China. So being a communist does not mean being biologically Chinese. There was a war. They had to fight a war about... Against uh, other Chinese. Know, yeah, yeah, against so other Chinese. Was, yeah. yeah, it was Mao and the State Department versus Chiang Kai-shek and some of our military. And, and, and basically, in my irresponsible opinion, uh-huh. Taiwan is the legitimate government of all of China. Of course it is. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the Republic of China. Well, Chiang Kai-shek is the legitimate government. Uh, Mao's government, which is now run by Xi Jinping, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, is the illegal government. Agreed. Right. And, and the, the, the legitimate government had to go into exile uh-huh. across the water in Taiwan. Uh-huh. Well, that's because so the that's State Department threw argue. the war. Did you, did you hear about all the weapons that were never sent to Chiang Kai-shek that were promised? The battle and everything else like that. I mean, if you look at the history, especially the Flying Tigers. You know, that's when we really start getting involved. And basically, our American volunteers, mercenary pilots, you know, flew against Japanese pilots um, in, in World War II, and they painted the big shark's teeth on their, on their P-40s. You know, and the, they were great. That was Claire Chenault. Well, Claire Chenault and Chiang Kai-shek were like buds. And uh, Madam Chiang Kai-shek, you know, uh, they, they were great friends. Uh, and uh, he supported them and, you know, obviously wanted arms and things to, to continue the legitimate government. That's what they fought for. And then Mao comes up later gets all the guns, gets all the surplus guns, gets all the guns from, uh, captured guns from Japan when they surrender. He gets all those guns and, and then battles Chiang Kai-shek, you know, the, the, the true elected leader. But our government supported the communist, which is what we usually do. You know, it's as bad as the link Ukraine or uh, all the people we supported. Pinochet in Chile, name one. Who, you know, Shah of Iran, you know, we're always backing the wrong horse. Right. Well, yeah, that's, that's our... That's our <clears throat> our State Department. You know, yep. if they, if, uh, if our, you know, they, what they call the State Department was built in a part of D.C. called Foggy Bottom. So people call <laughs> people talk people talk about the State Department by the euphemisms Foggy Bottom. Oh yeah, um, been there. And without without Foggy Bottom, we would be um, so much better better off. Mm. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, they, they, it, it's always been, it's always been, been bad. So anyway, we go back to Nina Jankowicz is the, um, Nina Jankowicz is what was supposed to be the disinformation czar at the, at the, at Homeland Security. Right. I remember that. And Gigi Soma is the one you're looking for. Gigi Soma, I looked her up while we were talking. It was the name of the person at the FCC. Apparently, she's withdrawn her nomination. But she does. She looks like a dude. But then so does Rachel Maddox. <laughs> you know, I mean, but they, 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 get, they get dude haircuts, and then they wonder why people think they look like dudes. So, you know. Well, anyway, so, so I mean, but this is, t- this is like Peter Strzok. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's still like... Um, you know, he's wronged. I mean, the guy, the guy should be, the guy should be tried for treason. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, arrogant and he's nothing like, else. He's so arrogant. Mm-hmm. He's so arrogant. He thinks everything he thinks is right and everything he does is good and proper. Yeah. They actually, see, they believe their own propaganda. This is the scary part. They think that the, they've actually convinced themselves that disinformation uh, is what they don't agree with. That is somehow dangerous. The, and then and they have this euphemism. They say they have to protect us from, from disinformation. 
Well, that's nonsense. Let me, I want to show you some real quick. This is why I found in Michael Schellenberger's testimony that I found so fascinating. This is right out of Orwell. This is in this short little paragraph. He's talking about uh, the, the uh, um, big tech and uh, social media and search engines. He says, these organizations and others are also running their own influence operations under the guise of fact-checking. Okay? We've all been fact-checked on our social media sites. He says, the intellectual leaders of the censorship complex, some of the censorship industrial complex, have convinced journalists and social media executives, here we go, these are the three pegs of censorship uh, industrial complex Orwellian you know, doublespeak. He says he convinced executives that accurate information is disinformation, that valid hypotheses are, are conspiracy theories, and that greater self-censorship results in more accurate reporting. And I was talking about this right before he came on, as that is freedom of slavery, war is peace, and ignorance is strength. This is like Orwell. These are three prongs of Orwell. That's what they operate under. And cens- censorship is disinformation. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it never – so – so they're arguing, like, even when she was fired a year ago, <clears throat> um, Nina Jankowicz, you know, was part of a, um, where's the actual name here? Um, the, the Department of Homeland Security had a uh, disinformation governance board. Right. Now, nobody, nobody ever seems to stop, and, and, and so... Her obvious disinformation and her, um, you know, her scary Poppins videos um, where, where she like sang, you know, she changed the words to Mary Poppins uh, thing and, and talked about these things. It never dawned on them to think, well, maybe, maybe you shouldn't really be involved in this at all. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, discussion, the discussion is, is this the right way to censor the American people? Um, not like well, maybe there is no right way. There is no right way to censor the American people. <laughs> right, that's that's the thing. So so she's all saying that. Well, you you don't understand what the. Um, so um, a, a week ago, a year ago, May, they paused, the Department of Homeland Security paused the board. And paused. And and, and she's, she's claiming that um, mm-hmm. that she was the victim of disinformation. Mm. Says Nina Jankowitz. Unfortunately and ironically, are. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, it, it never dawned to, it never it, it never dawned on these people to say what the what the H E double hockey stick is the Homeland Security Department doing with a home with a di- disinformation governance board in the first place. You can say what I mean, like on my say, show. Is, it's, I understand. It's it's appropriate. There is no what? So you can say hell on my show. In this case, it's appropriate. What the hell are they doing? <laughs> That's well, absolutely I appropriate. I, for... I said actually more for more for emphasis than out of uh, oh. out of fear. Of, oh, okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. It's not the worst thing to say, but the um, you know, so so these people that they're so down the rabbit hole. The communism yep. has gone so far mm-hmm. that it doesn't alarm them to say these things. Mm-hmm. You know, to say to say that. Oh, you know, you're misunderstanding the way in which we want to control what people can and cannot say in America. <laughs> you're just you're you're not being uh, you know you're not being fair in terms of you know how you're how you're thinking about us controlling what can and cannot be said. And this is the, like the C the C-SPAN thing about you know about um, mis- disinformation on COVID. Uh-huh. 
And they're still, as of last week, on C-SPAN, officials refusing to admit that the experts, oh, oh, and the number one complaint was, let me say this first, the number one complaint was, is that the disinformation on COVID undermined trust in, gov- in, in public health experts. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe you shouldn't See, this is- like, lie to people and be completely incompetent. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, why the hell should we trust you? But it's more important, I mean, because really the, the, the elite political class, the swamp, in D.C. and in faculty lounges and everyone like, like that, they're, they're most wounded that we don't believe them anymore. Yeah. You know, no, that, this that's is, this is the most important. This is the most important point, I think, right now when we're talking about this, because there's an assumption out there that because the government said it, it's true. So the only way this all holds together uh, in their minds uh, is that, you know, if they have to protect us from disinformation, why? Because they believe everything they say is true. And if everything they say is true, then the mandates work, the vaccine works, it is safe and effective and all the other things. So anybody who says anything to the contrary uh, must be wrong because we believe what we say is true. And it's not. And this is the part that they don't understand. This is the part they can't understand because it's so arrogant. They think that everything they say is true, unless they're like Dr. Fascist, who I believe is a total psychopath, um, who is doing this for for money and power. I mean, he's Mengele and uh, Goebbels combined. Yeah, Dr. Fascist, you know, been working on my ass in like uh, Mengele. Uh, the like you know, like I'm working on my accent to uh, get a mask. If you want your mask, you know, you need to get uh, double vaccinated every day and then you'll be healthier. Yeah, you got to be protected. That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> radio, <laughs> radio show, talk show host, Buck Saxton, does a great Fauci uh-huh. interpretation. Oh, he probably does better than me. I'm, that's not my best. I do a better Yoda, but, you know, I'll save that for another day. Uh, you, are you in contact no, with but, Because but, he'd be but, a great but, person to get on the show because he, he's probably like – He's big, but he's not big enough. He might be unreachable, you know, but uh, he'd, be, yeah. he'd be cool cool to have on. Yeah. Well, anyway, hey, so, so the Mingala comparison is, is frighteningly accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I've thing, been I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they really believe it or if they know they're full of it. And so let's let's talk about they that. just don't want people to, to catch on. So I mean, I. I no, I want, to, I want to explore this for a bit because I think you're really on to something. I used to talk about this with Dr. Peter Pry when he was alive before he was killed by what I, think, I believe was the good shot because uh, he died six months later with cancer you know, after, after doing a business trip where he had to take the shot to the country he was going to. Um, but we used to argue this. In fact, you and I have argued this too. Is it incompetence or is it, is it, is it willful just uh, criminal action? So in other words, are they, do they really believe this because they've been government? And they're just incompetent, or are they actually just dangerous criminals who are using this uh, as propaganda uh, to hide behind for their for their actual censorship totalitarian views. So it, it's intentional versus incompetent. Well, I I mean in this particular case, I think it's it's um, malfeasance either way. It's okay. just is it is it that they um, is it that they see. Uh, their power as more important whether it's right or wrong or do they believe in themselves so much that they can't conceive that the government could ever be wrong i mean i I, the way i hear um, go ahead i'm sorry no you're making a good point the way i hear them talking it's like you know it it doesn't matter if we're wrong we need to have the american people 
believe whatever the government and the elites in and out of government say, even if we're wrong. That actually makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, it's like when they talk about vaccine hesitancy. In other words, what's your problem? Why, why are you hesitating? We've told you to get it, you know, as opposed to vaccine inquisition or vaccine questioning. Or, or is it, in fact, a vaccine, which it isn't? You know, we had Malone on the show. Right. Uh, we had Dr. Malone. We had and Dr. I Peter McCullough. We, we've had some amazing people talk about it. I've been very direct with them. Right. And, and, and I think most people get, instinctively got that. It's like right. if, if, if when, I mean, because Trump pushed, I mean, okay, see, Trump was not, wear, was not wearing a lab coat, you know, mm-hmm. testing, testing lab samples. He pushed through the administrative obstacles mm-hmm. to get, you know, to get the obstacles out of the way and then trusted the people to, um, <clears throat> the, to trust people to, to do it right. So you would think that Trump supporters would be very sympathetic to the, to the vaccine, but it was exactly that you will take this sit down and shut up mm-hmm. attitude that instinctively made, made conservatives go, whoa, what's this about? Um, you know, if they, had, if they had focused on, if they had focused on um, the benefits, here's why you should take it. Um, you know, that would be one thing. But um, if you, um, if you, um, um, you know, but, but the thing is, it, it was the attitude that, even from the start, made everybody go, you know, what the heck is this? Uh-huh. Um, so, so I think that's, that's especially interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to do this all week. I've got the three topics I'll be talking about. The, um, the censorship industrial complex, uh, the global disinformation um, bureau uh, index, and then the last one is NewsGuard. So these are, these are, they're all, they're all related. They're all in uh, Schellenberger's testimony, but uh, the global disinformation index and news guard, I want to see if we're on it. I'd be very curious. I don't know if they, they actually publish the people that, uh, but we would be exactly. And my question is, um, is the fact that we were already censored ever since, you know, March 2nd, uh, where we weren't, we're probably not big enough for the global disinformation index yet, or were we, have we been on it? So I've been having trouble getting sponsors. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, well, but, I think, uh, I've had I think what, what I'm getting out of, the things that are happening uh-huh. is, is that, um, is it everybody? I mean, if you think you're, are we big enough? Apparently the way, it, the way it worked, there was nobody safe. Okay. Well, I know I've been censored. Yeah. I mean, I've been censored. Well, and here's the, I've explained this to people before. Let me just go over the timeline really quickly. February 25th, 2020. Okay. We're talking two weeks after uh, Trump banned travel from China. So February 25th, maybe three weeks. Uh, February 25th, Bill Gertz is on the show, Washington Times national security correspondent, courtesy of Dr. Peter Pryde, tells us about the Wuhan lab. So we knew all about the lab February 25th of 2020. Two days later, I write a bill. Congress can only spend half their money on um, vaccines. The other half has to go for early treatments. I'd already heard about the DDRL study in Marseille, France, and I'd studied viruses intently over the couple of days from when Bill Gertz was on. So I knew that we could treat this. I knew there were articles coming out. There is no pandemic. This is curable. March 2nd, we broadcast the cure, chloroquine, and then hydroxychloroquine within like a couple of days or weeks later, we had, uh, we had that. We even talked about elderberries. <laughs> you know, we talked about everything that you could do to treat 
uh, viruses and be resistant to them and boost your immunity. We said this is a hoax. This is this gov- the whole government push for vaccines is a total hoax. March 2nd, well, I've got the show, okay, but, 2020. And ever since then... Go back. Let me interrupt you for a second because sure, you've got go to ahead. go back, back to my mother's uh, teaching about language. Like, what is it? You know, if you say he, like, who is he? You know, the virus is not a hoax. It's not that there was no, it's not like um, Capricorn 1 where they, um, you know, where they uh, land in the desert and they pretend they landed on the moon. Um, <laughs> it's the reaction that's the hoax. Oh, yeah, no, no, the virus is real. I've said the virus is real. The government reaction is the hoax, that vaccines are the only way out of it, that all roads have to lead to vaccines. It's the only way that we can solve this problem. That was the hoax, that we need masks, that we need mandates, that we need, you know, all these draconian measures. We have to close the schools, close down businesses. All of that was part of the hoax. In fact, I talked to, you know, I was surprised by this when I talked to Dr. Robert Malone. And I told him about the 2007 um, pandemic guidelines and how, how different they were from the ones that were, were adopted three months after Trump took office. I said, you read the executive summary. They had a pandemic severity index. The, the ways that they handled it was completely different from 2007, the Bush administration. And he didn't know. I was really surprised that he didn't know about the, the two different guidelines because he's, he's the same age as me. He was born one day after I was, literally one day. We're one day apart in age, you know. And uh, he right. had no, he, he didn't know about the earlier guidelines. So the first thing I did when I saw the new guidelines uh, was I looked at the old guidelines. I said, what did they change? Well, they changed the pandemic severity index. They changed the categories when lockdowns would begin. It, you know, under the old uh, guidelines, it was uh, category four uh, or five. Category four was up to 1.8 million dead from the, from the, the epidemic, not, from, not with it, but from it. Uh, and then uh, category five was greater than 1.8 million dead. That's when they started lockdowns. After one, and we never, we never got to that here, not even close, because most of the deaths that they list are with COVID, not from it. Right. And, he, he, well, and I was surprised. But, you know, unless you look this stuff up, I mean, nobody can keep all the information in their head. That's why we look stuff up. But that's the logical approach. Is when there's new guidelines, what do they change? Is it yeah. good analysis? So now, it, it's you know. like when you talk about the timeline for public mm-hmm. discussion for advocates, for consumer, you know, for um, citizen activists and things like that. It's, somebody should write up a book um, going through the timeline with footnotes and, oh, wait, somebody did. Um, I, I did. Um, Trump, <laughs> TrumpCOVIDbook.com. It was supposed to be, a, it was supposed to be a, a citizen's guide, not a medical guide or and then it's supposed to be like a, what you need to know as a citizen about, about what really happened. Um, where so, is it now? Oh, Jonathan, where is it now? Did what? it get published or what? Did it get published? Trump, well, I, I self-published it on, with my brother's help. Oh, man. I cut. I wrecked my hands. Um, the, I have a, a hole probably from, from, uh, sto- from doing, moving things in storage. Oh, probably. So... Um, they, uh, so it's trumpcovidbook.com, uh-huh. and nobody paid any attention to it, of course, when it's, it's called, the, the name of it is um, COVID is 2020, because the argument is it's all about the 2020 election. Right. So what you should do, which you might want to do, are you, do you write on Substack? No, I don't even know what that is. Oh, that's where I do all my publishing now. Um, you should probably publish your book in, in, in like a serial episode. 
because what I did, uh, I had a, I had a massive 14,000 word article um, on a completely new model for education. I published it in seven parts, about 2,000 words each, uh, on Substack. If anybody wants to take a look, you know, so you can put a, you can wow. put serialized stuff on. That's what I do. I've got, to, but that's where I put my article. There, you know, if the there, you know, if there were no left, or my favorite article, the nation of government, you know, where I compared Washington D.C. to a country, and where are the colonies, the states of the colonies, feeding the country. And Washington well, that, is its that, own, yeah. That's the model in the Hunger Games. And I'm oh. surprised that people, I mean, because the capital rules over the district with that kind of attitude. And um, I'm surprised that a generation hasn't risen up after being raised on the Hunger Games and saying, wait a minute, what they're doing in this country is a lot like what we saw in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, well, no, I agree with you, but I want to switch around a little bit too. I want to get some January 6th stuff in based on Tucker Carlson's reports. So if you have some news on that or anything else you want to talk about, but I, I want to, uh, maybe spend a, a few minutes on that because what Tucker Carlson's doing is amazing. We all knew this footage was there. We all knew what it was going to show. Uh, in fact, I saw something, someone did the, the, the graduation processional, you know, pomp and circumstance. Da, da, dee, 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 dee. And they set that to people walking through uh, the Capitol. It's really quite fascinating. Now there's, an, there's a new tour guide one out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Insurrection Tours presents. You know, this is something I would do, right? You know, strolling through the Capitol. <laughs> and, and they basically have a, do it like a tour. You know, stay inside the railings, fasten your seatbelts, don't, don't fall off the wall. It's hysterical, anyway. But um, what's the fallout? From, what, uh, what, what's your, what are your friends talking about? With, uh, with, uh, or what's going to happen with the January 6th defendants now that the, the real videos are coming out? Are they, are they going to get retrials, mistrials? Can they arrest the prosecutors well, for withholding now, information? Um, what's going to happen? Uh, Dominic Pizzola, one of the Proud Boys, by Roger Roots, filed a motion to dismiss. And... I'm just reading now, the government just released their response Uh in which they're, you know, obviously minimizing it. (laughs) But there are there are motions to dismiss now based on facts. These things were were withheld. Um, And as usual, the government is saying they weren't withheld, but we have no evidence because because. Jacob Chansley, of course, the, the Viking or Hugh Shaman or whatever, Buffalo guy, mm-hmm. um, he, he figures prominently because of the over 40,000 hours of video, <clears throat> he's one, that's one of the few things that Tucker Carlson highlighted that we saw mm-hmm. um, before apparently the Fox News leadership shut Tucker Carlson down. Wait a minute, is he not broadcasting um, that anymore? I mean, they told him not to do it, and he's, he's going along with that? Or, or or did he release everything already? No, he, the only thing he released was was a very tiny proportion. You know, basically, you know, some Ray Epps, some general people milling around, you know, the indication no, of walk- I have to catch that on Rumble because I can't get it live. I don't, it doesn't appear on my Roku but uh, you can go to Rumble and get all Tucker Carlson episodes the next day. So I'm like one day behind. But he did three days worth. He did some. He did mostly last yeah, Monday, first, a week ago. The first day he released some video. The second day he interviewed Ter- uh, Lieutenant Tarek Johnson, who was 
you know, never right. call. To right. the, to Same, the great interview. Yeah. But he would tell the truth. But then he was not released. You know, he's released, you know, under, well under an hour out of $40,000. But how many did he have, did they producers produce for him? Because he, they have facial recognition technology. They went through, and a lot of the surveillance just has, you know, empty hallways and rooms and things. So they may have 40,000 hours, but you may only have, you know, um, 200 hours of actual interesting stuff. Well, it could be, but there's, but there's a lot more. So when I say we're focusing on Jacob Chansley, it's because that's where that's what the that's what the expose focused on. Okay. So Albert Watkins, who was Jacob Chansley's lawyer, says this video was not available to Jacob Chansley to, to him. Mm-hmm. And so right now the government is saying, "Oh no, we gave it to them." And the attorney was on Tucker Carlson saying, "No, I've never seen this before." Now they. Oh, there's something I have to circle back on, too. Mm-hmm, um, sure. But they, they're saying that he, um, they're saying that he, uh, um, you know, some people are saying that, oh, stupid Tucker Carlson, um, Jacob Chansley, because cause Julie Kelly, who is wonderful, did say on Tucker Carlson that, that Chansley should get a new trial. And that's true. And then people said, oh, these dummies, they, they, he pled guilty. So he didn't, it wasn't in a trial. But people plead guilty um, when they, they don't believe they can win. Well, you know, isn't so, to, avoid, so, to avoid higher charges, too? So isn't it, I mean, most of these, these guilty pleas are extortion pleas because they're saying, don't plead guilty. We're going to charge you with a much more severe crime, which that's under yeah. duress. That makes these, these, uh, these pleadings void or, or moot, I would think. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and in fact, there is a pattern of the government doing that with January 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, 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 yeah, but the thing is, if someone could say, well, you know, someone pled guilty. Uh, that means they, they knew they did it. No, it might mean it, it, it's like if, if someone shot over your shoulder and, mm-hmm. and shot a police officer and they charged you with shooting a police officer and you diligently investigated and you could find no proof to, um, of your innocence, then you're going to, you know, you may have to plead guilty even though you know you didn't do it especially if they give you a less severe penalty. Um, so the lack of evidence may, you know, may be why he pled guilty. And, if, and, and also he was sentenced to 41 months because Judge Royce Lambert, who, should, who has in the past been a good judge, you know, he, mm-hmm. he argued that he was, leading, um, you know, he was leading the charge. Well, this evidence shows he was not. And, you know, if, if it had been, if, if Chansley had uh, pled guilty, but it went to sentencing, this video would have changed the, uh, you know, the guilt, the, the sentencing. 
But he knows he didn't um, do it. He knows he was escorted around. You know, Chesley was escorted around by the Capitol Hill police. I mean, they were playing tour guide for him. He, why didn't he say that in court? Why he says, look, you people, you don't have all the information. I know I did this, and I know I did this here, and I uh, led the Senate in a prayer and, uh, and walked around, and they kept opening doors for me and escorted me around. And, you know, why didn't he bring that on trial? I, I don't know that he said it in sentencing. But, okay. but the thing is that is that – um, he did say that he um, he thought he was going to get um, very uh, a, a slap on the wrist. Wrist. Uh, I happen to know that some lawyers I work with were approached back in November. Um, they um, about trying to withdraw his guilty plea. And attorney uh, Bill Shipley is taking that on and is, um, and is, uh, um, they, uh, um, so, so the thing, um, you know, so, so the thing is, is he, you know, his argument might have been that, that he was not going to fight it because he thought he was just going to get, you know, time served. Hmm. I just can't assume that. See, I would never plead guilty to, I learned this a long time ago when, when I had a traffic court thing. And, uh, and it was a, a situation where um, it was an illegal left turn. And then there was a bench warrant for my arrest. Uh, and they said, uh, you know, you never showed up to court. I said, well, you never told me to show up. I said, well, that's no excuse. So wait a minute, how can I, you know, so I think it was like no contest for, for the illegal left turn, even though they just put the sign up the day before, right? I said, but uh, said this other thing. No, she said, you did not tell me. You did not inform me. Well, we're, you know, so they just they just uh, they let it go with a, with a fine, you know, for the, the illegal left turn. But I learned then never, never admit to something you didn't do, you know, and uh, and just, uh, you know, it just you can't do it. It's, you know, they might charge you with more. The, the, the judge even said, you know, not uh, being informed of your of appearing is no excuse for not appearing. You should know. Well, how are you supposed to know? This is a catch-22. I said, this is ridiculous. I told the judge. I said, look, you didn't tell me. Said, That's no excuse. I don't care. Said, this is the truth. You know, so I learned really early in my 20s that you can't do this. You can never accept a, uh, a charge from government because it's only going to get worse. Then they just build on top of it. It's like a stepping stone. So no. Paid my fine and left. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, you know, but anyway, but so, yeah, you cannot admit to crimes that you didn't do. And especially not with a threat of a higher crime. In fact, that, that should be grounds for a mistrial right there. Just the fact that they said, if you don't plead guilty to this, we're going to charge you with something more. Well, that's extortion. That's not justice. Right. Well, in fact, most of these, most of these January 6th people are being mm-hmm. pressured by public defenders <coughs> or, um, you know, or low, I mean, attorneys who are not used to fighting. You know, they're used mm-hmm. to just, you know, doing simple DWIs or, you know, Please some guy was, yeah, they're just, they're just used to this. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so they're, for example, they're coming to some of us when, um, because they're being pressured into, into taking um, attorney's fees, uh, t- taking plea deals, excuse me. I'm looking yep. at, I'm trying to look. So who's pressuring up. them? The prosecutors? Who's pressuring the public defenders? Well, the prosecutors are, of course, leaning on the, on the, um, 
on the, the attorneys, and the attorneys are leaning on on the, the defendants saying, you should take this. See, the problem is, is that the government is so far down the rabbit hole, and I don't know if, we're, I don't know if we have to cut out at 10, at, at 10 or not. But, yeah, we do. Well, um, Dorothy's going to be here. If she's not for any reason, I'll let you know, but uh, I'm assuming she's going to be here. All right, so, but, but they're so far down the rabbit hole is that they actually believe that um, the defendants are guilty of, you know, because Proud Boy Zach the Real is, was charged in a motion, not, not an indictment, just discussed that he stormed the Capitol with a radio and goggles. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, the government really believes this stuff. And it's like, well, of course they're going to plead guilty. They know they did it. And they just can't handle the fact that, uh, that most of the defendants refused to plead guilty to something they didn't do. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, the, and the prosecutors, are, that's why the prosecutors have gone after the attorneys, gone after the fundraising campaigns. Tried to, they, they've actually said that um, that it may that um, having attorneys provided by private funding may interfere with the defendant's decision to plead guilty because um, they <laughs> yeah they That's said funny. it in pleadings that, that they think That's that funny. Yeah. so they I mean they think well of course they're guilty of course they know they're guilty. What can we do to just get them to admit it? And yeah, that's the COVID logic. Yeah, that's hmm? the same COVID logic. It's the same COVID logic. The, mandate, the mandates work. Vaccines work. What's your problem? Why are you hesitant? Right. Why don't you do what we tell you? Well, because it doesn't right. work. It's the same so, thing. So uh, yeah. we can't, I mean, I don't know if we can do this in 10 minutes, but some of the news is that in the Proud Boy case, mm-hmm. um, uh, and this is unfolding right now, even as we speak in court, my communications with uh, Proud Boy member and defendant Zachary Real were intercepted on the prison CoreLink X system from the Ooh. Philadelphia Detention Center. Oh. And um, isn't that privileged uh, not, conversation, attorney-client privilege? Yes, it's clearly stated attorney-client privilege, and um, they. Uh, um, <clears throat> And they, um, um, and, and, and the, the, the issue is that, well, let me start with this. It's one, of the, one of the issues about that is, mm-hmm. is again, how the FBI agent monitoring these, uh, my text communications is so casual about it and how it's like interesting points and looks like they're not going to plead. They're like, oh, my God, they're going to go to trial. Don't tell Jason yet the, the lead thing because they're, they're like they're afraid to tell the lead prosecutor that Zachary is not going to plead guilty because he'll be so, like, shocked. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and it says looking for more emails. But the, the casual nature of these conversations indicates that they're doing this across the board. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're um, you know, the, the, the corruption is widespread and it's coming out. And Roger Roots for Dominic Pizzola, 
the guy who uh, um, allegedly is on video breaking a window with a riot shield. I mean, Zachary Real is like a choir boy compared to, but, but, but the thing is, is that um, he just filed a motion to dismiss, a motion for a mistrial, and the appointment of a special prosecutor. Because the, in the DOJ, which includes the FBI, you know, is, is rampantly engaged. Oh, oh and then there's a text uh, in, this, in this group saying that um, she's been ordered to destroy 328, I think, messages. Not I'm going to destroy it, but my boss has, has ordered me to destroy these emails, to delete them. Uh-huh. And which, you know, if, you, if anybody else did, in fact, they are prosecuting people for destruction of evidence in this, in this case. Um, and um, the thing is, if you have a, if you have a jail call, you're, if you're talking right. to someone on, on jail, uh, they tell you it, 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 it can be monitored. But that, you know, one assumes that means for uh, prison security. You're not planning a jailbreak. You're not planning to bring in contraband or giving instructions to go kill a witness or something like that. It does not mean that the government can then take that and incorporate it into their trial strategy, which is what, which is what they're doing. They're basing their litigation, their prosecution strategy and their, their trial strategy based upon, and they admit it. They say, you know, I was re- reading an email between Real and his attorney, Mosley. So they know it's an attorney. Right. They know it's an attorney-client uh, discussion, and they're using it to craft their prosecution strategy. That you definitely can't do. Now, Nick Smith's paralegal, I think her name is Haley, is the hero here, because uh-huh. the government disclosed an Excel spreadsheet, and all these messages were hidden under a filter. So she said, I wonder what happens if I, hit, if I click on this filter button and unfilter it and boom all these messages appear and I'm so glad it didn't come from me or anyone I'm associated with and Nick Smith is sharp as a tack and he had all these precedents saying it doesn't matter how it came about they still cannot they cannot use this information so this clearly not only does it mean that January 6th cases need to be dismissed but it means that probably half the Department of Justice needs to be prosecuted. And, of course, they can't prosecute themselves, so they need to have a special counsel appointed. But the judge is, Judge Timothy Kelly is, you know, he's bucking for the, you know, most valuable player for the, for the mm-hmm. prosecutor again this mm-hmm. week. And the government is poo-pooing it and saying, oh, it's no big deal and, that's not what, the thing. What's interesting is because the, they've asked for an evidentiary hearing, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but the government has said all these things that are unsworn. Typically, when your attorney says something in a motion, in a pleading, it's just it's just rhetoric. You ha- you still have to prove it. Mm-hmm. They they said all these things to try to get away from it, but they did not have a, a declaration, a sw- which is the federal version of an affidavit. They didn't have, they said, oh, no, those, those uh, um, deleted emails, that was about something else. 
It's like, well, where's your, where's your affidavit? Yeah, prove it. Um, yeah, I mean, where's and well, they, they just they, they have no said, standards of justice. Uh, they have no standards of anything. They they just they're completely off the rails. They're making stuff up as they go along. If they again, they believe that what they're doing is right, so the ends justify the means. It's total Marx. Is like Marxist justice. You know, we believe what we're doing, so therefore anything we do is okay. I got to hold you up just for a second because I know Dorothy's going to get here, but I got to tell you something really important for tomorrow. Um, speaking of, of honesty, integrity, J6, Brandon Strack is on the show. You know, walk away, hashtag walk away. Yeah. So he's on tomorrow morning, you know, nine o'clock. He, he, he's, he's great. The only, I mean, he's, he's great. The only thing I would ask is, is, he, is he willing to do things to raise money for the other defendants? But he is, he is a great leader. Well, I want more than that. I want, to, I want to start working directly with him. In other words, have his folks uh, take our legislation and, and send the links in directly to Congress and media. I want him to partner good. up with us. That's, what I'm, that's my goal. Well, we'll find out. You know, I, all I can do is ask. But, uh, um, and I've got a couple of bills he might want to write, one of which is one I want to talk to you about quickly before Dorothy gets here, uh, habeas corpus. Apparently, they, they, the judges are routinely dismissing writs of habeas corpus, which they cannot do. You know, I mean, Lincoln did it in the Civil War, and he couldn't do it either. <laughs> but they do it anyway. Um, so well, I have, if we had a, I have, go ahead. I have sent several suggestions to Jeff, Jeff to Jim Jordan, the head of the okay. weaponization. Yeah, I know Jim. I actually met him. Yeah. One of them. Well, I hope you do. I you get. I mean, he and he's very open and stuff. But one of the many suggestions I sent was is that they require the entire Department of Justice to take training on the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, but let's get more direct. Can, what, we, we need like a constitutional penalty or some kind of penalty uh, for, for disallowing or not allowing a writ of habeas corpus. I mean, habeas corpus, as I understand it, is you've got to prove that you're, you're, you're holding this person for a trial for a reason. What's the evidence? But, but it's better for you to find it. What exactly is habeas corpus? You know, someone, they take a writ, lawyer takes a writ of habeas corpus to a judge and says, look, you know, prove my client you know, needs to be held for, for, for trial or, or they're out. Isn't that how it works? Yeah. I'm told that habeas corpus literally means um, deliver the body. Yes, to have the body. So it's Latin. That's what I've heard. And we can look it up. Oh, like so, that meaning. So. But the point is, but that's not, what it, that's not what they're talking about. But it's the body of law. It's not the body of the, of the person. Or in other words, you no, take the body out person. of jail. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the person. It's deliver. Right. Deliver the person free of jail. Oh, okay. So that's it. That makes sense. Okay. But um, but it then sets up a test of whether or not the person's being held properly or not. Mm-hmm. Um. So so anyway, um, yeah. So so the thing is, is and so the thing is, this is threatening to be a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, you know, they're trying to, to delay this, but, but, but again, the government is trying to sweep this under the rug and, and judge Kelly is doing everything he can to help them. So, um, well, that's how he was picked for this, right? I mean, wasn't he hand selected, you know, of those, and I got Dorothy I, in the line, so I can get to her in just a second, but it seems to me that all the players are handpicked. The judges are handpicked. They, they have the prosecutors that, that uh, believe in this communism, that the government's always right. Uh, it's the COVID philosophy. You know, we, because we mandated it, it's okay. You know, it's that same thing I, because we say you're guilty, me, you're guilty. Right. 
Let me let me finish this with um, apparently I was I was shown, but I haven't pulled it up on my own computer. A Project Veritas revelation, maybe I don't know, without James or Keith or whatever, but where um, uh, a bunch of leaders like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez mm-hmm. and and other leaders are debating right after January 6th. And um, she's screaming, and, and some guy says, um, you know, adults are talking here, honey, something like that. Um, <laughs> I'm combining two, but, um, but, they, uh, but she says we have to, I mean, she's arguing for severe action because she says the, the, the people don't fear us anymore, quote, unquote. Mm, people, that's the interesting. People the people know. No, she said the people no longer fear us, implying that they used to, and she thinks it's necessary that the people fear us. So that's also the thing we need about. Uh, well, she, she's a lot smarter than people think she is. You know, she comes off as, uh, you know, the the liberal airhead bartender, but uh, she wouldn't be in that position if she wasn't good at what she does, which is propagandize. Right. You know, and be an I agent mean, of the left. I mean, she was picked for a reason to, to uh-huh. run for Congress. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, so any, any advice for me for Brandon for tomorrow? I mean, like I say, I want to try and see if he'll uh, uh, get involved. I'd love for him to do uh, uh, a bill if he's interested on, on parties. In other words, my idea of declining party membership to anybody who's in elective office or running for elective office should not be able to be a member of a political party because then they end up, they end up representing the party, not the people. So I'll see what he thinks of that tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, no, final no, comment? I, think, I, think, I yeah. think he will do excellently but on, on his own. The only thing I wish is, is that most people would do more to raise money for these starving um, defendants and their... Well, let me ask him. Their, I'll ask him tomorrow. About raising they, money. they say, like, Trump, Trump says that he's... People say that Trump is doing something, things for them. I see no evidence of that whatsoever. Yeah. Because they're all coming to the lawyers I know, begging for help. So I don't, I don't, I don't see how in the world um, Trump is helping anybody um, if they're all, if they're all, if they're all, come, you know, begging to be helped. Yeah. Okay. Let me hold it there. Uh, in fact, I had some, right. I had a mistaken website popped on with a bunch of ads and things. You might have heard that distracting voices earlier. I'm sorry about that, but a little technical difficulties. Let's get on. If you want to talk to me off the air about this for tomorrow, that's great too. And, or after uh, Brandon's interview, that's fine as well. But um, let me get to right. you right now. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Jonathan Mosley, lawyer extraordinaire, criminal defense attorney. And let's get the whole change. This is the greatest change we do at Action Radio between Jonathan's report and Dorothy's report. So here we go. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. 
Okay, now I'm in the mood. <laughs> I've let go of my political <laughs> stuff, you know. Brandon Straka tomorrow from uh, Walk Away, Walk Away Ooh, Social. Yes. I, yes, I love him. I follow him. I found him back in 2020. Big fan. Good for mm-hmm. you. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah well, I'm, it's gonna I'm be... one of those. <laughs> You, you, you walked out. Yes, yeah, I have friends, you know, and we have friends that help the show. Uh, so we, we have censors, we have government oppression, we have all these nasty things, but we also have some really powerful people that are helping us out. And that's how I'm able to get He's folks so like Dr. Malone. Yeah. He's yeah. so brave. Well, and he, he represented uh-huh. a large amount of people like myself that didn't really realize we had, um, we had peers. We kind of felt alone. We're like, wait, I think I'm a Democrat. I've always been a Democrat. Love That's really the gays. Interesting. Always help the people. Always help the underserved. Yeah. Love everyone. Mm-hmm. Love diversity. Um, my whole career and, you know, um, friend group reflects that my whole life. So wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not, you know, all of a sudden in 2020, I'm being accused of being a Trumpist, even though I really didn't like him at all. <laughs> I, I, mm-hmm. I kind of hated him. Um, okay. You know, so. You can talk about that but, sometime, but, he, but yeah. Well, it's okay. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like he's like, you know, no, he's a wonderful person, why, but like all politicians, you know, well, like all politicians, you know. he's pulled in many different directions. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he's one of the less um, formally well-spoken, verbally controlled politicians. So it's easy to take things he says. What? You mean he's honest? <laughs> and, <laughs> he's um, I, don't know, I don't know if he's honest. I don't know him well okay. enough to know if he's honest. I know that he right. promoted the vaccine, which I wasn't a fan of, and he also Ooh, says he used remdesivir. Yeah, I don't believe we, uh, he did. He yeah, was that's doctor, when we parted um, paths. Yeah, when he let Fauci yeah, he take was, over the government. Yeah. yeah, no, so I feel like he was straddling the fence trying to keep his popularity. I don't think he, I, I hate to say this, I don't think he cares as much or understands as much either doesn't understand the depth of what was happening or doesn't care as much as we wanted to believe. Um, but yeah, because I think his doctor was the, um, was Vladimir Zelenko's at one point who would never prescribe remdesivir, but then yet we were told, anyway, that's the, he, didn't get he hole. got uh, some monoclonals and things. And actually Dr. Zelenko was a friend of yeah. mine. Uh, I met him oh, early, yeah. uh, early mid 2020 through a mutual friend, just sheer blind luck. He was on the show a couple of times. Uh, I can mm. send you the recordings. Uh, or you can look him up. Just go to our, our, our top of our broadcast page. Has a search window. Just put Action Radio, comma Dr. Zelenko, and the two shows will come up. He was fabulous, and we wrote a bill reforming the FDA. Um, and so, mm. uh, so we did some amazing work. But yeah, so he was this cool guy. I want to talk to uh, um, Brandon about that tomorrow. So the fact that uh, you know the, the, some of the Democrats felt alone. That's in fact, if you want to call in, if I get time. I can put you on. If he has half an hour, I'll probably take that myself because there's certain things I have to cover with of him. Of course. Uh, some action by. radio stuff, some walk around mm-hmm. social stuff, walk away social. But at this time in the second half hour, if he has an hour, that's what we do with Dr. Malone. You know, I was able to take so, a couple so of calls. So, Greg, uh-huh. and I don't want to take up all this time because we're going to talk about a hot topic of low testosterone, but Good. I will say this. Good. Text me. Mm-hmm. Text me or message me somehow if, you, um, if there is time, and I would love to just give him some props. Right. And okay. also thank sure. him for. Um, yeah. Thank him for um, making me like I found his movement. I thought, oh, OK, here, this is my people. And what do we do now, Brandon? Let's go. And he's gone through so much. Mm. Well, I hope he's on a fair amount because I want to work directly with him on citizen legislation. If we can combine our bills with his following and those and his followers start uh, promoting uh, legislation in Congress because he says he wants mm. to change the world. And it's like, well, I know how to do that. <laughs> That's what we do here. <laughs> we, we have the system for changing That's the world. Right. That's basically what Action Radio is. That's why it's been created. Uh, so I'll, I'll text you. We'll just listen tomorrow morning, same time as you came on today. Nine, it's 9 o'clock our time, 10 o'clock your time. So let's go on to your hot topic and uh, tell me what you think. 
So this came up this week and, you know, it's funny when I'm, there's so many opportunities for topics for this show because sexuality, sensuality, health that relates to these topics, relationships, mm-hmm. it all goes together. And it, it's per, actually per, pervasive in our, in our day and as related to our health and happiness. So um, different topics float around during the week, but this one came up three different times. So I felt I was being called to just touch on this. And I, I won't necessarily claim to be an expert on this entirely. I tend to have this broad range. And, um, and then if I have a client or someone who really needs in-depth, I would usually refer them to a functional nutritionist or functional mm-hmm. medicine. Well, but I, I, I know enough just to discuss Tell us what you know. And, and I, tell us what yeah, you're and speculating. And uh, mm-hmm. be brave, be bold. And if you make an outrageous statement, you know, you know me, I'll say, that's an outrageous statement. <laughs> It's okay. Well, and I and I underestimate myself sometimes too, so I, yes, I won't do. say that. But let's. Yeah. So we're talking about um, low testosterone, and this is important in men specifically. Now, women can have it also, but more in men because it it feels it's becoming epidemic, and um, and it has become that way. So. I guess in early 2000s, there was a much higher level of testosterone, especially in young men. Um, we've seen a steady decline over the past 20 to 30 years, over the past 50 years. It's accelerated in the past 10 years. And uh, this is concerning because, well, there is a natural decline in testosterone that happens starting at age 30. And a gentle, slow decline is okay, and there's many things a man can do to um, counteract that that are actually pretty simple and easy. And, I'll go with uh, those, too. That'd be mm-hmm. interesting, yeah. yeah. However, this mm-hmm. has skyrocketed and started earlier, much earlier. In fact, they're finding uh, blood levels, blood level testosterone levels in children um, alarmingly low frequently. So... One of the, the highest, like puberty, is, is is that when testosterone should be the highest in men? Uh, that's a good it, question. When, I don't know when, when it's it actually spikes, spikes at the highest. I believe, I want to say 17 to 25, but don't quote okay. me on that. Because um, you wouldn't think that okay. children, you know, boys at like five years old would have a high testosterone level. They still got high voices. They're still, you know, children. You know, and it, but it wouldn't be, uh, you know, but the testosterone really hasn't kicked in yet. I guess they have the potential to generate it, but they wouldn't actually have it in their system at that point yet. Yeah, they Not have. That's amount. what helps develop uh, embryologically. This gets turned on and it helps develop the female phenotypic female genital, genitalia into the male. So everyone looks female at first, right? And then okay. Okay. Um, if, you're, if you're XY, if you're XY and everything gets checked off, there's a lot of biochemical um, minute things that need to happen that trigger mm-hmm. physical changes, right? And so um, one of the triggers involves testosterone. And uh, so if you, if you develop, and we've discussed this when we talk about transgender, so any of these little things that just get a little glitched or a little mutation or something chemical off in the prenatal soup, right, the soup of amniotic mm-hmm. fluid that the woman has, there's right. so many things that can affect these, and then the, the child doesn't necessarily develop um, in uh, phenotypically male or with all the typical male characteristics, including uh, drives and um, behaviors. So, um, yeah, testosterone and estrogen start very early. Um, well, that's good to know. So that's some of the, yeah. So some of the things that have been found to affect um, hormones um, and endocrine system are, of course, chemicals in our environment and in our foods. So these 
estrogen mimicking hormones like in plastics. Yeah, that's huge. Um, there was that a British again? study done. So, gosh, I don't even know where to start with this because there's so much. So um, it's even been found that so the maternal diet can affect estrogen and testosterone levels. The vaccine really? she takes, the medication she takes, so if she's on hormone replacement well, therapy, if she's vaccines. on birth yeah, control. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, so there is a correlation. Again, it's very unpopular to discuss that, but there's enough studies that show a strong correlation. Not on this um, show. <laughs> you kidding? <laughs> this is this is prime, you know, subject material for Action Radio. The, the decline in testosterone and the decline uh, and the, the increase in vaccinations and the increase in autism um, all make perfect sense. Yeah, so it, a lot of it goes together, but there's a lot of things mm-hmm. we can avoid. Even if so, if if the maternal soup is is decent. Um, the fall, the next assaults are water. So in our, in the water system, unless you have a great water filtration system, mm-hmm. which, which you can get, anybody can get so that they're not drinking and soaking in it. Um, birth control does not break down in, in the water filtration system in the community. It doesn't. So we are oh. drinking all the, all the urine, um, of the women, the women's urine that take birth control, um, all that estrogen continues to go through our water system. So if you can imagine, <clears throat> so we're all on birth control. If we drink, uh, public how, water. Yes. How long, so the pill? how long women have been on chemical birth control that does not break down in the water. So that is huh. probably a huge, a huge factor. What about um, when you boil sugar. it for tea and coffee? Does that make a difference? You know, I don't know. I don't know if boiling takes out estrogen. That's a great question. Mm. Um, I know that there are some drinking water filters that claim to uh, reduce or, or um, eliminate the estrogen in water. So. Because I have Brita filter, you know, so I have my, my, my uh, I would put everything through a water filter. Uh, I've got to get a shower filter. That's my next project. But uh, yeah, so it takes the heavy metals and the bad house, stuff. Mm-hmm. If you can afford a whole house water filter, it's worth the investment. The, one, the ones they have now are excellent and they get rid yeah. of most of the things you don't want on your skin. I like the, um, the screw on shower filters. It's just mm-hmm. the time, like, you're not quite sure sometimes when. You know, depending on how much is in your water, they can get clogged if you have to replace them regularly, mm. obviously. Um, I, don't, I just, I don't know. But the whole house system okay. now, but you do you, obviously. It's better than, I actually have shower filters right now. I don't have a whole house system because I rent. And the first oh, no, ones are pretty good. Yeah. But, it, but you can limit these things. So if you have a water filter, shower filter, uh, if you don't eat soy, which is full of plant estrogens, I mean, there's a bunch of things we can do. So we're probably over-estrogened in society right now, just based on diet and water, maybe, maybe some other sources. Yes. So, um, and then there are water filters that can remove estrogen. So just research your water filters. I wanted to just say that yeah, there's so many no on idea. the market this, right now. This is great knowledge. There's so many on the market and it's worth doing your due diligence. Um, so you want third party testing and you definitely want reverse osmosis and all this. But, um, so then moving on to food, sugar, um, Glucose especially lowers testosterone mm-hmm. and mm. uh, increases insulin, which, which, yes, which restricts, um, which increases 5-alpha reductase, which then decreases testosterone, this whole cascade. And uh, sugar isn't everything. It's ubiquitous, as you know. If you go read ingredients at the grocery store, something you don't think has sugar has sugar. So being very aware, I mean, sugar causes inflammation. It feeds cancer. It reduces our immune system function. And I, I think across everything. the... 
sugars like the, yeah. like the worst, even though you need glucose to survive, you know, but, uh, but all the processed sugars you can take out, you know, I have very, the only, the only sugar product I get consciously by choice is honey and it's raw unfiltered at that, you know, so it that, that's my only in the body. Yeah. Honey, but else, raw unfiltered honey acts different in the body than does cane sugar. Yeah. Um, Do you know how? And if you're now that, now that we're on it, well, if you're, well, at one point I did. I don't know. I don't feel like <laughs> yeah, I want to. But um, because I, I, I advocate keto for some people. And mm-hmm. if you need to cheat on keto, there's certain things you can cheat on that actually will not necessarily kick you out of ketosis for so long. And there's mm-hmm. some things that really you just can't have if you're going to stay in ketosis. <laughs> but um, and we really get off topic, don't we? So we, always. That's why I like having you well, on. There, there is no topic. The topic is just that we're, <laughs> we're here. We're here meeting. This is our weekly meeting. So everything is fair game. <laughs> so low testosterone is a problem uh-huh. for men because, and it's also positive. So I'm going to take the positive and negative. There's a positive thing for low testosterone at the right age, right, for sexual intimacy. But let's talk about the problems first. So fatigue, depression low muscle mm-hmm. mass, breast mm-hmm. enlargement, who not many mm-hmm. men really want that. Um, man boobs. We don't want man boobs. Yeah. Man obesity boobs. Do they have man bras yet? Just, just out of curiosity, do they have man bras? Do they have the bro? The bro bra? I remember the bro from Seinfeld. That was, I mean, probably. I don't know. Yeah, I just. I think I should, they have those I should look that up. Tops. They have those weightlifting <laughs> okay. tank tops. That's kind of like a restrictive bro, isn't it? Really? But, man bra? Know, I don't know. Did, did they ever tell you about the, the zebra-striped underwear experiment? just to get completely off topic. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the infamous Greg Penkel section radio zebra striped underwear experiment was, we were talking about how fast things you look up um, for, for products appear on your social media uh, and places, newsfeed, things like that. So I said half an hour. Mm-hmm. I said, so doing a show, this is about maybe a year and a half, two years ago. I said, just for the fun of it, I'm going to look up zebra-striped underwear online. I'm going to look it up on Facebook. This is like in the first half hour of the show. We only did two hours then. I said, let's see how long it takes. <laughs> so I'm talking, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, talking to you know, we had a call. I forgot who was on the line. I think maybe Pianchi because he's been with uh, the show since probably since we started. Half an hour is all it took. All of a sudden on Facebook, zebra-striped underwear ads started popping up. And the, the point of it is you want to pick something that you're never going to use. You know, uh, you know mm-hmm. llama foot warmers. <laughs> just, I mean, uh, there's probably out there, right, for, for South American uh, gauchos. You know, but, you, but, I mean, just pick something that you're never going to use, okay, that's your control. Put it in uh, and see what turns up. <laughs> for, like, the next six months, I got, I got ads for zebra-striped underwear. It was hysterical. Every time I did it before the show, hey, guess what? Oh they're, still trying to track me. they're still chasing me. Yeah. So, so, so pick a product that you would never use. Um, um, I don't know. Are you a big fan of steel toe boots? Do you do a lot of construction? You know, maybe put that in. My kids, my kids love them. I like them. Yeah. Okay, so that wouldn't work. You got to pick something you're never going to use. I don't know butterfly I mean, nets. I can think of a butterfly? lot of things. Yeah, think of products you just never possibly, you know, yak repellent. Right, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, up in the mountains. Uh, anyway, so we digress. But but that was my that was the, the experiment. The commercial the, break. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. So because I'm mm-hmm. obsessive, so highest testosterone of, the, of your lifetime should be at 25 years old, 22 25. to 25. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm curious about normal testosterone levels for children, but I don't think we really need to talk about that. Yeah, um, next week. So, we'll do next week. So the negative, well, I don't even know. Do people care? I mean, just, just know that there's certain things you can avoid that are actually not hard to avoid starting in mm-hmm. pregnancy and prior that can cause your child 
embryologically to have more normal testosterone estrogen levels developed mm-hmm. normally. And I know we don't like the word normal. It's a bad word now. Um, typically, whatever, as, as we always have at the beginning of time. And, and then there's things you can definitely choose and do and expose yourself to that's, gonna, that's definitely going to have an effect on their hormones and their development. So um, knowing what to avoid. So avoiding sugars, well, avoiding a lot of medications, um, filtering your water. Do not drink out of plastic water bottles. My aunt told me 25 years ago, she was an organic chemistry at Ber- uh, chemist at Berkeley, and she said, oh, wow. oh never, drink, never drink out of the plastic water bottles. Now, she was very strict sort of, she's a chemist, and this is a funny thing, if you're either a biologist or a chemist, usually like one or the other, and chemists Uh tend to be, and I don't want to offend any chemists, they tend to be more dry and stern and like, you know, rigid, and um, you don't mess with them, right? Biologists are sort of like floaty and fun and all over the place. (laughs) This is my experience. I'm a biologist, but um, my Aunt Jean, when she said something, you know, I listened, uh, she wasn't playing, and she said, never drink out of plastic water bottles. Haven't you seen the study that was done in Britain? And, of course, I hadn't. I was, like, living in L.A. I was 25. I was partying. I was, like, a partying uh-huh. nurse. You know, I wasn't, wasn't currently level. doing any research. I was going to work making the money and going home. So I was like, no, I haven't seen the study. She said, well, um, it's very clear. You know, there was apparently a plant uh, that was producing um, a product that involved plastics and estrogen mimickers, and they were le- was leaching into a river, and all the fish – uh, were hermaphroditic. <laughs> All the fish oh, were hermaphrodites. Geez. Now, I love our hermaphrodites. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you, if you, if you don't want to intentionally drive your child or your fetus into a hermaphroditic state, if that's not your goal, if you prefer that God chooses however this beautiful soul comes out and lives in the world, then you can limit some of the um, chemicals that are being provided and polluting our water uh, by our corporate systems that, you know, yeah. Are toxifying us. You, you can prevent this by the water filters and consuming water from glass bottles, making sure you have filtered waters. And there's quite a few supplements you can actually take that will help um, also get rid of some of these toxins. It's too much to go over on the show, but I can post about it. Um, mm-hmm. So we life and health about coaching page. Your page. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I want you to remember a second. We got a we got a question. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Cyanide Seventy Seven uh, is one of our folks around the world. Uh, he's in the Netherlands and he's listening. He usually listens uh, to the show now. Uh-oh. He says, he's, "Why would he's Dutch? He's going to have a difficult question." No, no, no. He says, "Why would why would you cheat on keto? It's fat and meat. It's delicious." I think it's a good question. Agree. Okay. Okay, that's a great question. So here we go. When I detox people, when I want to talk about this because. Regarding low testosterone levels, if you go through a full body detox, get rid of all the shit you're eating, get a really clean slate, it takes about a month, all of a sudden, all these symptoms and blood levels tend to either go away or change a little bit. You don't really know what you're looking at health-wise if you are so full of toxins, your colon's full, your liver's full of stones, you've got parasites, you've got sugar hanging out, you've got inflammation. So... Um, I'm going to get to his question, but keto is fantastic. I had a great time on keto. Here's the challenge. If you're addicted to sugar, which most people are in the U.S., because it's in everything, and it's very addictive. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're addicted to certain things, dairy, sugar, getting to a keto state can be quite challenging. So it might take three days to a week. I would say three days for people who have sugar addiction. I always say expect Mm -hmm. three days um, to be almost like demon possession, like leaving you, demons leaving you, right? have your fridge fridge loaded with stuff you're allowed to eat, Um, come down easy. Um, uh, If you're on a lot of um, artificial sugars, you might wean by going to honey. You might wean by adding a little maple syrup. You might wean by stevia. 
And then after the three days, when you're truly have got rid of it from your system, um, then you move towards more of a stricter keto diet. But I always say don't try to do it all at once because coming off of addiction plus making the lifestyle habits it requires to be fully keto is a big uh-huh. step. So, yeah. so we do it. I always say do it in stages. Once I'm in keto and once people mm-hmm. I know who have done this are in keto, absolutely. It's fantastic. There's so much you can eat. It's delicious. You're actually not tempted by sugar very rarely unless you have emotional triggers which is a different topic, which a lot of us do have, right? Mm-hmm. Emotional triggers for sugar, emotional addiction. You don't have any. For certain foods. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I, I do from 4 to 10 I'm o'clock at night. Oh, my God, to my special time. I need a therapist next to me holding my hand but um, <laughs> for the sugar. But um, it's my comfort, funny. right? Teasy poops and sugar. So, yes, he's right. Keto, The keto diet is fantastic. It's delicious. There's most you can eat. Uh-huh. Just you got about, a big smiley face, I mean, too, on, the, on live chat. If, if you're mm-hmm. monitored live mm-hmm. chat, in fact, you, you might want to do that, too. I, I should start doing that with hosts. Hop on live chat on our, on our, product, on our, uh, on our uh, broadcast screen, and you'll see mm-hmm. the questions. Because live chat's for everybody, but it only exists during the show. Once the show goes away, then the live oh. chat goes away, too. But, uh, yeah. Okay. That we, we can see okay. questions directly. I just thought of doing that because it's we'll, taken a while for us to get keto, live. I just wanna... You know, go ahead. I just want to add about keto, if your caller is still listening. Um, the only thing about keto, and again, this is a question mark for me, there is um, a, a strong correlation with trans fats and, and low testosterone. Again, I think if all you did was trans fats and you got rid of everything else that contributes to low testosterone, you're probably golden. But mm-hmm. the only this little question mark I feel like I should, I should mention is that there is a strong research-based correlation with high trans fats. So just you know, be aware. Trans fats are what? And, um, just, for, just for the new folks. Low, um, so trans, trans saturated fatty acids, you can read your foods and read your labels and just be aware. And again, over the years, this is very interesting. Over the years, we've seen a lot of science changing with trans fats and cholesterol and health. So, um, what they say one year, 10 years later, they say, Oh, actually it's, it's not that bad. So there's mm. naturally occurring trans fats, like from milk, and, and meat products, and then um, there are artificial trans fats, fatty acids. In my strong opinion, and what the research is to support, is it's these artificial trans fats um, that add hydrogen to, like, liquid vegetable oils to make them more solid that is really the problem. So, Like peanut um, butter? Partially, partially, well, not necessarily. Look, so read your labels. Um, peanut butter that's literally just peanuts and a healthy non-GMO, non-seed oil is perfectly good. But you're looking okay. for something that's called partially hydrogenated oils. Yep. Bad fat. And especially yeah, seed oils. Labels. Oils made from seeds. Very I mean okay. the research is showing us that seed oils oh, are read an article. a leading so cause. Events, seeds Many. are horrible. Yeah. yeah. Seed oil. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get away from I'm gonna put everything over to, to coconut and pineapple and good stuff. Avocado. Uh, get away from all the seed oils. Um, yeah, the seed oils have... cause a lot of problems, which we won't get into. But also the no. Netherlands, this is interesting. I'm not sure if they're one of the countries. One of the, some of the countries have now made almost illegal, like severely limited the trans fats in food service establishments, like well, Denmark, Switzerland. Yeah. yeah. Let's see if we got a, a message typed in on that. Yeah. I want to ask they're about usually childhood pretty... obesity. 
Yeah. Okay. I want to change it. I mean, the question on childhood obesity uh, and, and male children growing up, that mm. if sugar is bad, um, because, you know, do men develop fully? Like, you know, me, you know, growing up in the 60s as a, as a kid, uh, got the usual, you know, I got peanut butter and honey instead of peanut butter and jelly because I was in, in Canada. But we all had the, the, the bologna sandwiches and all the processed meats. And, uh, you know, we had the Captain Crunch. We had our sugar cereals. We had all the wrong things. Uh, and eventually when I started, you know, picking my own diet and had real food, it was a lot better. Oh, I got some real food, but I mean, I had, I had my share because we all did Pop-Tarts, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, you know, five years old. We all got that stuff. Does that have a permanent effect or is that something that would be reversible uh, in adulthood if you happen to have a lot of sugar as a child? And would that have affected, you know, male testosterone for like the... Well, it can affect, I, know, I mean, it affects the four to ten testicular year old. growth and penis growth. It, it, it affects testicular and, and, and penile growth. Really? So, yeah. Sugar makes small men. Um, Guys, you listening? This is this is actually really interesting. I don't know much about it that, is. but I know I don't know I, I don't know much about if you had a lot of obesity in childhood as a male, and it mm-hmm. did affect your genital growth and your development. Can you reverse that as an adult? That's very interesting. Can you actually grow? Huh? Isn't that interesting? Um, yeah, because I know bone density also with children with uh, men with uh, obesity, they end up with bone density. They they definitely end up with um, hypogonadism. What's that? I mean, can you grow? Well, there's a small testicles. Can you grow your penis larger later? I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm asking oh the question. Oh my goodness! Because you, you see, you know, I mean, every, it's like this, like the big myth. Every guy wants to be bigger, and of course, you know, how big is big enough? You know, at what point? What? <laughs> uh, without getting graphic here, but uh, that's that's a that's a question. You know, you see this all I mean, the time. All, all the products that are offered, all the things like that. You're not a man unless you're this many inches, kind of thing. All right. It's like what, what they is this definitely nonsense? have I mean, shorter penises during puberty, but can they reverse that? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt I mean, it. I'm just curious. So many... What about the? Go ahead. Yeah, they have smaller testes and penises, but do, if they get because super healthy, say they get like 15, 16 years old. Huh. Um, Does puberty change and they, that? And they get suddenly, they get suddenly, well, it's happening during puberty. So um, what they found mm. is, yeah, they found that like in age 14, that the penile length was 11% shorter uh, in obese kit and obese pubescence so my guess is oh, that's the my, sugar that's yeah, they, I don't so know, if you lose weight yeah so I, I'm just curious um, because you know weight reduction and exercise like I'm still I'm 63 I'm still exercising like crazy uh, I'm still getting muscle which is probably unheard of um, but uh, I've, I've been doing basically the same workout I did in my 20s which means I wasn't working hard enough in my 20s, obviously. Um, but I'm still, you know, doing all these things. And, and so uh, feel great, feel fine. But uh, I'm losing weight from surgery still. But it just, and I'm wondering how much of, of whatever, you know, I did earlier, you know, the effects of the sugar that I had as a, as a child, was that gone at a certain point? Is it still, you know, affecting me? Is it, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't know. Is, are these okay, lifetime effects that we're article. getting? Okay, what you got? I just found a great article that says, I'm just going to read the title because I love it. This is what we want to know. Does childhood diet impact future dick size? This is what <laughs> the title of this article. Where, this is what, what we're What asking. sources do it. you use, Dorothy? We, well, we need to put, no, this on well, the, 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 we'll put this on the man page. I'll have to do it because so it's, it's men only can post it. Go ahead. 
I found several PubMed and NCBI articles, except okay. they were very vague. They did not say a clear result, which I think, honestly, I'm just going to say this. I feel like there's a lot of reasons why our um, medical journal articles avoid certain topics. I mean, if the food well, they industry don't want the sugar industry, want... they don't want the they want the lawsuits from the sugar <laughs> industry. How dare you tell men they're smaller if they if they eat too much sugar? So this is a great revelation. So guys out there, you know, natural diet, honey, maple syrup, exercise, keep thin. So I mean, you know, it's like the Viagra generation. You know, the the fifty plus oh. guys, if they would just lose weight, cut the sugar. You won't need the Viagra. You know, you'll be happier. Your girlfriends will be happier. Everybody, your boyfriends will be happier. You know, everybody, you know everybody's going to be happier, you know, if, if guys, you know, dump the sugar and uh, get this back to the men they're supposed to be. This is a great yeah, topic. Go ahead, what did you find in the article? Dump now, now the I'm chemicals. Curious. Filter your chemicals. Get off the pharmaceuticals. I'm going to post. Um, I love Joseph Mercola, and he did a great article on um, so, so on low testosterone, just a really great comprehensive article. I knew I could count on him for this. Um, but you know what he recommended? And I remember this from nursing school um, uh-huh. for benign prostatic hypertrophy. The best natural remedy that was very effective was saw palmetto. And here we are, how many years later, 20 some years later, and low testosterone and benign prostatic hypertrophy, which sometimes can go hand in hand, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. That one of the best is um, there's alpha traxin, which I'll post that, but saw palmetto supplements. Again, we, they're finding over and over and over for many years. Um, now there's not a lot of money in saw palmetto, right? So, but that's interesting. So uh, that's so prostate problems and, and sugar and electro, was it uh, what do they call it? Erectile dysfunction or, or small size are all related. All like. related. Okay, so I just found this great. So Indonesia did go full throttle on this study, so we had to take it out of the uh-huh. U.S., right? <laughs> Too many political, pharmaceutical interests. No, the sugar, so. the sugar lobby. We've got a sugar <laughs> lobby that's huge. Huge. You know? So, and, and you know what? Don't, I don't even want to say this is intentional, but if you lower testosterone, you lower, um, um, oh, what's the word, persistence. So it lowers the, the feeling of um, strength, like in decisiveness, persistence, assertiveness. It lowers um, the desire to defend. It, it, so low testosterone, although if you get to a man above 50 and 60 in a sexual partnered relationship, uh-huh. his partner doesn't always want him to have the testosterone levels of 30-year-olds. So let's not go crazy <laughs> with this, right? Um, and there's so men date younger women. Is that women date younger women? Sex is not necessarily okay. the key to wonderful intimacy after the age of 50. You, you begin to have this beautiful sort of softening of the relationship that balances. You can still have it, but there's no re- need, need to like have a testosterone level of 1,000 when you're 60, right? So, but, so there's a well, I don't know. I'm 63. I, I don't know what my level is, but it might be interesting to check it out. But I'd, uh, I guess I have to date 30-year-olds then. No, 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 no. no. Stop. No. I said that on You're purpose. You know I said that on intimate purpose. Right? Relationship. You know I said You're that on 50. purpose. Okay. Right. Well, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm sure ahead. people are thinking that, so you're echoing the voices of many. Um, I, I you're in best. a loving, intimate relationship at 50 to 55 with your life partner. Maybe it's your second marriage. Maybe it's your first. Probably your second, usually. You've learned all crap. Second life partner. up on it. Now you're in your, you're in your forever right. relationship. Hopefully you've done your work. Um, and... And as you, as a relationship progresses, mm-hmm. both of you have less of a need or desire for this, you know, wham, bam, all night session Why? of thrusting and hold on. 
it naturally happens for many reasons. It doesn't have to for anybody. Again, here's a spectrum. We're always talking about a spectrum. For the majority, men and women, this lessens, and partially due to lower testosterone levels, not that of a 25-year-old, but of a normal, healthy 50 to 60-year-old, right? And we can go on further with the age. But it also works for the average woman. Now, there are many things she can take dietary-wise, many things she can eliminate that are toxic that will cause her to have excellent vaginal lubrication and excellent sex drive. However, there is a natural um, shift for her also hormonally. There's a beautiful thing that happens, Greg, in an intimate long-term relationship where both partners have done their work, where the sexual stuff sort of shifts. It becomes better, but different. So all the commercial advertisements, all the pornography of this um, thrusting and the, the goal is the orgasm and as many as you can have in a week and, and as many sessions, this shifts and it's a really beautiful, lovely thing. So there is an advantage to a natural decrease in testosterone for a man that age as he becomes more um, androgen balanced and so does she. So her testosterone, her estrogen starts to decrease and her testosterone starts to increase. And so in many ways in this relationship, it's very exciting. Like there's almost an energetic shift of the masculine feminine energy and more of a balance, more of an agreement, more of a best friendship with intimacy. This is a great time to explore. Friends with benefits? Mm. No, yes. I, I'm teasing you. But, but deeper yeah. and better. Intimate, like, intimate uh, partners with and, benefits. All right. But here's the thing. Yes, though, and you have the, a tantra. Uh, now the ability for tantra, the ability to make the sexual sessions last hours, days even. There is so much on this, whereas a 25-year-old is less, quote, able to do that. And, again, there's a spectrum here. Um, so there's a lot of benefits. But if you don't want the chemical, um, mm-hmm. if you want that to happen naturally and you don't want all these influences, then there's a lot you can avoid. But um, I wanted to talk about the study in Indonesia. So regarding the childhood obesity and micropenises. So she mm-hmm. had this study, um, who was led by Diane Promesti, um, found that Childhood obesity and micropenises, 80% of obese childhood patients have micropenises um, directly related to the occurrence of hormonal disorders, decreased concentration of testosterone. She said sometimes this can resolve itself, puberty into adulthood through weight loss and puberty, but most of the time hormone therapy was necessary for full genital development. Wow. Mm. That needs to be that, – that information needs to get out there. So mm-hmm. um, to all, the, all those uh, parents that are sabotaging their kids, you know, their, their boy ch- children with too much sugar, that's not good. <laughs> you know, and, and this, this well, goes against the, yeah. the, 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 sh- the sugar cereals, you know, the, the Pop-Tart crew, uh, all the cookies, snake, uh, cookies, cakes, snakes, <laughs> cookies, cakes and things and the brownies and everything else that uh, the kids eat, that the parents, you know, all those chocolate chip cookies and Oreos, you know, <laughs> you're not helping your boys. You know, and so I'm wondering well, about so that. I have friends just... that are very healthy, but they send their kids to public school. And what they found over and over is the public schools are giving lollipops, donuts, that they can't keep their public school teachers from stopping this. And so you can be as healthy as you want at home, but if you send your kids to school, you know, it might well, not just always... be critical race theory they're being exposed to. It can be Christy Green no, donuts no, the, also. The, the government schools should be closed down. I mean, I would get rid of all of them. Um, I've got something here from uh, Sinai 77 again in the Netherlands. He says, I don't know if you can make up for lost growing years uh, later. Uh, later on, he says his, his parents, because he was in World War his parents, obviously his family's in World War II being in, in the Netherlands. He says, my parents were young in the Second World War and sure lacked decent food in those early years. Uh, both my father and mother were way shorter than brother and I. That's, but that's true overall, that that whole 40s generation was shorter. You go in an old streetcar, they're definitely built for shorter people. 
you know, 30s, 40s streetcar. So was it World War II or the fact that humans are just bigger now? Was mm, it the so diet of the re- well, malnutrition of the uh, embryologically, if the maternal malnutrition for sure affects hormone levels and growth of, of the okay. child. So, mm-hmm. and hmm. that could be it. Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting when you talk about uh, male characteristics, you know, high testosterone, assertiveness, determination, all that stuff. Um, I'm not trying to blow my own horn, but look at me at Action Radio. This is a very determinate, very directed, very, very male, I guess, classically oriented you know, kind of thing we do here. Um, but, um, you know, because we are making those, that is the, 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 the dare I say thrust of the show. Um, Love it. Is that a testosterone indicator? I mean, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I don't know. This is why, this is why I have you to ask these questions of that, you know, is it an indication that the drive that I have for action radio in my sixties is partially responsible that I may have and not even know it, you know, a fairly high testosterone level. I mean, I don't feel any different about women than I did at 18. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really don't. Well, my guess is you, you know. do. And another, another tricky thing the medical industry, I think, needs to get a handle on is you can test a man in the morning and, and uh-huh. his testosterone level is way different than the afternoon or the evening. So what they're huh. doing is they're testing men once. They're giving one, one blood test and saying, okay, well, we can start you on, you know, testosterone replacement therapy, or you can wait and try to make some changes on your own. And they don't really know what changes to make. The medical community doesn't even know what to tell people. Well, let's, um, let's, let's, let's take a stab at that. What, what are the, I mean, the basics, diet, exercise, you know, sleep, those are the basics. Those are the, so those where we usually go first. A, yeah, obesity is a circular thing. So obesity causes low testosterone, raised insulin levels, and, um, and then that for causes further obesity. So your friend in the Netherlands huh. recommends keto. I can't recommend keto enough because it gets mm-hmm. rid of every source of sugar your body can use. There are no bad side effects to keto. You should be cleared by a doctor if you have any kind of metabolic issues or kidney issues, mm-hmm. um, and the diet should be tailored to your particular problem. But the healthy person on keto or normal, somebody who hasn't um, damaged their body severely enough that they have organ failure can go on keto and have amazing results. So the body will now use all the fats only for glucose for the brain. You do not get more tired. You do not get weak. You actually increase strength, increase energy, increase mental clarity, mood, and focus. Mm -hmm. And um, so obesity is the number one um, problem you want, you want to um, rectify for testosterone levels. And the way you're going to do that is getting off all sugars, all sugars, all forms of sugar, and they're like, oh, fruit, fruit's healthy. Okay, so later on add fruit back. But for now, you're in sort of emergency mode. If you already have low testosterone levels, you probably also have the beginning of, you know, metabolic um, um, syndrome, probably little bits and pieces here and there also. So hmm. the, you really want to um, get, get rid of the sugars. I say keto and then go on a full, a full detox. And once you fully detox and you clean out your body systems, you can then know what you're left with. Um, so reducing huh. sugar, uh, if you do have low testosterone right now, there is no side effects to going on salt palmetto supplements. What is that exactly? Research is, carefully. Is, is there a food that has that or is it, you need supplements for it? You want to supplement and there are different qualities. So uh, research, again, I love Dr. Mercola. He does all this research for you and mm-hmm. he's really, really ethical. Uh, he's been around for many. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> so. My, my go-to when I'm trying to look for supplements that have been well vetted because as soon as that company ownership changes, now they change um, their ingredients. So, so a lot of these supplements they put sugar in it. get sold. Well, they <laughs> get sold the out quickly. So yeah. when you're looking for your supplement, go to your functional nutritionist, 
go to your friends that, that are huge researchers. There's lots of Facebook groups. And I found that Dr. Mercola is um, one of the most reliable for researching these products and making sure um, he's up to date and, and uh, third-party testing and non-GMO and all this. And that the type of saw palmetto, there's two different types, and I, I don't want to be confusing here, but um, mm-hmm. if you go to like Whole Foods, for instance, or a grocery store and just grab saw palmetto, there's a version that's cheaper to make that doesn't have the same effects. Um, you want the good stuff, huh? So, yeah, so I always tell people don't do that with supplements. Just don't just go to the grocery store and just grab it because it says it. I wish right. it was that simple. It shouldn't be that tricky. That's unfortunate. Find a great, reliable online source. Again, I love Joseph Marcola. There's a few sources I use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and, and before you buy the stores? supplement, make you know, people that specialize in this kind of thing, they generally so, have better quality stuff, don't they, usually? Yes. What I do is I go in and I, and I mm-hmm. ask a person who works there a few basic questions. If they seem to really be knowledgeable, then right. I feel a little more trusting. Sometimes I'm more knowledgeable than they are, and I have to do my own research on, on my own. <laughs> Not everyone – no, you know. No, I understand. Right? I, I, so I, if I, I say – Most places I go, actually, it's kind of scary, but, you know. Yeah. If I say it's telling the, the non-GMO you know. ingredients and they don't know – then that yeah. to me is a problem. Then I research on my own. Yep. Um, so yeah, excellent saw palmetto product has been shown for now 20 years to decrease or increase testosterone and decrease um, the risk of prostatic issues. And uh, so reducing sugar, mm-hmm. reducing obesity, uh, we know about mm-hmm. weightlifting, right? And high intensity interval training. So um, super like high intensity training, 30 minutes or less, uh, has been found to increase testosterone levels significantly versus like a running program, for instance. Weightlifting, um, building muscle mass, yes, reduces testosterone. I mean, increases testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. Um, brain. I had one how more about, that I how thought about, was... um, tight-fitting clothing and polyesters, clothes that don't breathe around the male parts. I've heard things like that. Yeah. Is that a myth or is that just wishful thinking on the cotton makers part or well for me tight fitting clothing was always related to decreased um so it causes the testicles to overheat and then they try to drop down and sperms get sperm gets sort of lazy and uh so i think of that not in testosterone so but temperature it, it regulation might. i think so temperature might make a difference too body temperature is so you know where they are actually on cold days they're not where they are on hot days <laughs> but uh yeah Okay, and so a regular uh, sex or orgasms also has been shown to increase testosterone levels. So, yeah, where that's I, I, something popped in my head 21 times a month. I don't know where I heard that from. It just, it, I, I think we've talked about this before, that there's like, a, they actually studied this, you know, how many, uh, you know, orgasms a guy should have to maintain, you know, testicular hormonal health. I don't know where I heard hmm. that. Have you heard that? Or is there any number that pops into your head? This weird, oh, I I, weird brain with just stuff that just, uh, you know, here's another thing, mm-hmm. another thing too that's interesting, that the more I do the show, the more I exercise, the more, the healthier I'm getting. I'm losing weight back. I'm getting back to where I was originally. It was like 225, 230 um, before heart surgery. It's taken years mm-hmm. to get back. I'm almost there. I have about another 30, 40 pounds to go. So we'll get there. But the more I do this, the, the sharper my brain's getting, the healthier I'm getting, the more I'm exercising. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just practice because I'm debating people three hours, not debating, but I'm discussing really complex issues three hours a day minimum. Uh, and that doesn't count all the off-air discussions that I have and the emails and the articles and everything else. But I think uh, I'm, I'm wondering how much of that has to do with, with just brain exercise and how much has to do, you know, like you're saying with testosterone really keeps your brain health too, doesn't it? 
keeps your mind going? Everything is related. It's all related. Yes. Sharper, okay. more right. focused, less fatigue, less brain fog. Yes. High, mm-hmm. um, normal testosterone levels are related to more clarity of thinking and determination and able to carry out, carry out tasks. Yes. So many things. Okay. So quickly, because inquiring minds want to know, uh, Yes, you are. The sick make you this, smarter. Hold on, hold on. According to um, Richard Cohen, a certified, I love. I know what's going. I love <laughs> our certified nutrition specialists. I feel like, honestly, dump your. I'm going to say this. This is this is going to be controversial. Dump your MD, your medical doctor, unless right. they're really stellar and they're special, which there are many special ones. Most of them are just literally just regurgitating pharmaceutical information propaganda. But right. uh, unless you have a really stellar MD, dump them for a functional nutritionist or a functional chiropractor or functional oh, medicine. Okay, so this is from a certified nutrition specialist and MD, so he's like my favorite babe. Um, okay. He's saying, as you mm-hmm. said, he's saying your testicles need to be two degrees cooler to produce testosterone proficiently. There, so there's another thing we can add, as you said, switch mm-hmm. those tidy whities or boxer briefs to something a little looser. And Boxes make this for healthier crazy men. trick. Okay. So that's easier to do. Here's, he said, keep a bowl in your bathroom, um, turn the water to the coldest setting, fill the container, and submerge your testicles into the cup for 60 seconds. Add an ice what? cube for two or two if you really want what? to, and do this, uh, do this daily. And this You're will kidding, right? uh, stimulate. No, doesn't that sound horrible? A ball bath? I mean, wonderful. We have to give a ball yeah. bath? Is that what you're telling me now? Oh my gosh, we could develop a product, Greg. I bet we could totally. Market this ball bath product. Dorothy and Greg's um, ball bath. <laughs> yes, and you we, dip your testicles in. I'm there. Let's, let's and go you keep it. It's better than the. Well, see, so, you know, I'm going to tell you this. I started doing okay. cold showers for for inflammation and for um, skin health and for right. overall just spiritual health. Cold showers. Oh my gosh, they're just a, a life changer. About that. Taking the coldest shower you could, and and I actually mine, yeah. mine are cool. I don't like cold. Cool, I can handle. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm kind I'm of. I'm going to tell uh, you, you know, I'm a big baby. I'm a big baby. I didn't stick to it. I did it for like a week. I thought I was going to do it for a year. I did it for yeah, a week. Right. Well, but yeah, I, but yeah. my but. kids, I mm-hmm. tend to find out my 15-year-old's been doing it regularly ever since I started doing it last year. He stuck right. to it. He does it several times a week. He's my most disciplined child. And my 12-year-old son just start, told me, I, I, I do it every now and then also, Mom. It's crazy. He's like, I love to get a hot, hot shower and then turn it ice cold, force myself to stay in there. He's like, I feel so good afterwards. I'm like so a sauna. proud of them. Okay. Yes. I'm so proud of them. But um sounds like if you're not going to do the full cold shower, you can just dip your dip your guys in for uh <laughs> your guys seconds. <laughs> yeah. Put put the man in. Um, <laughs> okay, boys. <laughs> Time for a little now, immersion therapy. I would if it were me, I would research <laughs> this more before doing it. Well, is there is there a temperature? Um, is it like an ideal? They, well, they this says do it the coldest possible setting and you can add an ice cube. Now, I would research this further, but but this I just sounds like a porn um, film we're making here. This is this, this is like nine and a half weeks, except not food, but we're doing you know baths. <laughs> okay, ball yeah. baths. <laughs> I like. I, I would like to look at this further and see if there's you further should. studies. This not is just, not especially just if we're going to go into business. You know, mm-hmm. Action Radio's you know guide to guys action. <clears throat> Part of it's going to be the chapter on ball baths. <laughs> I'm going to type in icy bath for testicles, testosterone. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So most of what I've covered, though, well, all of what I've covered up until this, I will always say, like, question mark here, there's not a lot of information. But all the things I've talked about so far is mm-hmm. many years of, of science, both from the naturopathic community and the medical community. So this is all, mm-hmm. I don't believe it's going to change. Obesity, sugar, um, 
strong exercise, um, high intensity cardio exercise, weightlifting, um, healthy sex life. Uh, and you know, I'm not a fan of porn. I find it very, very damaging spiritually and in many mental ways. Yet, um, if you have low testosterone levels and you have no other source of sexual release and you have a little healthy, you know, maybe non-victimization, soft core, a little bit of watching here and there to, you know, get Good off. Because you, You're talking erotic porn, porn not, not trash porn. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, they call well, it feminist porn, but I don't really like that term. No, no. Um, but here's a question, a real quick question too. Um, video games, like guys, they're they're ducking out of relationships. They're not doing relationships. Of course, I think that's partially women's fault. You know, you, it takes two to to make this work. But a lot of guys are opting for, for video games and you know, hanging out in the mommy's basement. They're not they're not getting on with the life. They don't have the dreams. They don't have the careers. That, and I, I'm guessing a lot of that probably hasn't been talked about. It's probably low testosterone. I mean, have they tested mm. video game watchers oh, as opposed yeah. to men that go I'm out sure and you know cycle. start families and companies and. Go ahead. He's on the couch and you're a couch potato. Um, so screens are addictive. They've done studies, MRI, showing that some video games, some of them are akin to crack as far as stimulating certain centers of the brain and being that addictive. Wow. So to be aware of that when your kids are little, to be aware of that. It is so hard to keep them off the screens. So I was a screenless house. My husband, who's now my ex-husband, didn't necessarily agree. He sort of dragged his feet and went along with it. Now that we're living separately, this has become a huge battle. In fact, even yesterday, one of my kids secretly called my husband to get more screen time and you know i blew up because he approved it without asking and the reason is not because i'm i'm a controlling bitch which i might be but but that's beside the fact it's because i know um so when my kids and i are together we find ways to spend our time off the screen a lot and it's a lot of work it's a lot more work which is why i was a stay-at-home mom and i gave up my career as a nurse practitioner for 15 years and i gave up that income and that career because i knew how important it was and that's just one of the factors yeah, you nutrition you gave up what you nutrition's gained. another one yeah. Yes. I mean, to keep them off the screens in our culture that absolutely pushes it on every level, yes, it creates couch potatoes. Yes, it creates addictive behavior. Yes, it also goes into the reptilian primitive brain and changes their views, desensitizes them to violence, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. So can they never, should they never have it? I'm not saying that, but it should, and I don't like the word should, it's shaming, but I'm going to say it here. It should be severely limited because one leads to the other. So the addiction leads to the couch potato behavior, which then leads to the obesity. You're not going to go make yourself a healthy, um, you know, stir fry when you're sitting on the couch either. You're going to grab a bag of chips, right? So that feeds Mm, the food issues. You're not going to take a break to go to the grocery store, to the farmer's market. I mean, like, it all kind of goes together, right? Lifestyle choices. Um, And I just found another three different articles about the ice packs on the testicles boosting testosterone. (laughs) You can multitask. Um, This is incredible. I mean, where else are you going to hear about politics and and law and and bathing your your boys in in ice water? I mean, this is a great show. I'm really enjoying this. It looks like there's a ton of research actually on testicle icing. Huh. You know, that really – Go ahead. Genital sun exposure apparently laying out in the sun – Lifting your penis high and towards your stomach and allowing the sun to bathe your testicles. There is several different research articles. Mm. Yeah, but so you don't want them sunburned, though, so you've got to be really careful. This, this, this doesn't sound like a, a practice that should go on for too much of the day. Talking like, I what, five minutes, ten minutes? minutes? I would okay. say most, but I'm going to mm-hmm. just add this in there. There's yeah. a ton of research and a lot of anecdotal studies that show if you eliminate seed oils entirely from your diet within two months, yep. Within two months of doing that, you will never burn again. So all these things kind of go together. Really? 
Well, see, I burn yeah. easily, but uh, you know, but I, I don't know how many seed oils. I, well, see, I'm, that's why I'm in the process of doing. See, this is a gradual. This is like an evolution for me. Losing the weight, getting the exercise back. I'm doing all the things I used to do before heart surgery. It's ironic that heart surgery caused most of my health problems while curing the big I'm one. Not you surprised. Know, oh. A heart with a uh, with a with a bad valve. So the valve works great, mm. you know, it's, 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 you know, but, and in fact, here's the weird part about uh, the surgery. I've noticed that uh, I do not lose wind. I do not. So I went through my whole life with like probably a damaged heart, still doing athletics, still doing stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I would, I would run out of air, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I get tired uh, and now I don't really get to, what I, I get muscle tired on my bike. I might get a little numb because, you know, you know, the bikes, you know, you're, just, you're at a weird angle. Um, but I don't get, I don't get winded. I don't lose air. I, I never lack for air now at all, which is Isn't quite interesting. interesting. Well, my blood flow doubled. You know, when they fixed the valve, I went from 50% regurgitation to 100%, you know, proper blood flow or 90, 99, whatever, whatever the, whatever the normal is, because nothing's ever perfect in the body. But uh, that basically doubled my blood flow, which probably doubled my metabolism, which probably caused a lot of my weight gain. Because all of a sudden I'm using food that I never used before, but I'm using air like I've never done before. It's kind of interesting. It's like being reborn. This is why I don't, you know, I don't feel aging. You know, I don't, I feel stronger than I ever have. I believe, and we've talked about this. I believe we can anti-age or stop aging. That is a huge, crazy statement, but there's enough evidence. No, we should explore it. Dorothy, Um, there are no crazy statements. There are no crazy statements on the show. If you, if you want to explore it, you know, go for it. And there's no topics. Well, it's a lot of what we're talking about, what we talk about weekly. It's a lot of what we talk about weekly. Um, But the last point I wanted to just reiterate is that a natural decline, if you have got all these things intact, I mean, you have listeners that are on point, I guarantee. And and every topic we talk about, they know a little bit more than I do. And that's totally okay. Because when -hmm. you have listeners that care, you know, they do so much of their own research and they've already, you know, tried some of these things, whatever. But, um, when you kind of have all the boxes checked as far as you've eliminated toxins from your environment, gotten right. to your crappy carpet, you've, you've eliminated those cleaning products that are full of horrible ingredients. You've created your own from vinegar and essential oils and realized, wow, they clean just as good and they smell amazing. And, um, or you buy the products that are very um, ethical so that there's some that exist. And, you know, your skincare products, you're using Beauty Counter or one of those versus the, um, you know, Maybelline that are full of carcinogens and, and things that actually age your skin. And you've gone step by step, your laundry detergent, and you've, you've made these lifestyle changes. You're out in nature. You're walking barefoot in the earth. You're, you know, all the things, the foods, you're reading labels. Um, when you've got all those boxes checked, you're amazed at how your health changes. And again, I will always advocate a full body detox to get rid of the lifetime of stuff you've accumulated. It works. It, it changes lives. That's my next project. You, you know, will that's, realize that's, that's you look younger. Do. You don't have yeah. aches and pains anymore. Mm-hmm. You look younger. Your skin looks younger. You actually change. And people, there are people out there that say, I haven't aged. And you can look at them and they don't. They seem to not have aged. And, um, but it's so hard to do to resist all the things in our culture yeah. Uh, but well, I, I do it, though, believe strongly it, that we can. Mm-hmm. If I can extend my life and do ten more years of action radio, that's that's worth you know a pile of gold to me. I mean that's that's worth amazing. Let me tell you something I just noticed. My mustache whiskers <laughs> are getting darker. What are the chances of that? Oh, <laughs> yes, I I know okay. I've heard of this many times and related to copper levels and related to decreasing certain things that we eat. The hair begins to go back to the regular color. Yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to be gray by now. I'm 63 years old. My hair's not gray yet. It's partially gray, which makes sense, <laughs> you know. 
uh, yeah. I remember back back in the married days, my hair was going prematurely gray. And then uh, when I got divorced, it went back to brown again. I've got the driver's licenses to prove it. It's really funny. But that's that's how big an effect stress has on you. Yes, so lead, you're right. Lead a stress-free and, life. And we don't talk so that, too much about that. But the stress causes all kinds of um, chemical cascades in the body that contributes to aging. It shortens telomeres on the DNA. These are real, real things. Increases no, it's, cortisol it's levels. This has been a great show. Uh, yeah. I've got to so run. Guys, I've got to go sign advice. something. Okay. okay. Go ahead. We'll do it again next week. Contact information. Thank you very much, Dorothy. I love talking to you, as you know. I love talking to you also. And I will later sit down and post some of these on my Facebook and then um, I can post them on the Action Radio, too. I love the icing testicles. That's new for me. Oh, and uh, I'm going to put yeah, that on the man page and yeah. see what kind of reaction I get. But, yeah, the Action Radio Life and Health Coaching page is where you can post anything. Uh, that's where you find Dorothy, okay. except on her site, too. Yeah, her Facebook page. Yeah, yeah Dorothy Diana on Facebook. And I also have a website, YoniYoon.com, where I talk about somatic healing through sexy dance. It's one of my favorite things. I'm working with women. And, yeah. uh, and until next week, then. Thank you. And I'll have this image of, of, you know, cold balls all week long. It's going to be fascinating. You know, the ball bath. Don't Take just have the an image. Get in there. Okay. Ball bath. I'll see what Get I can do. Get in there and do it. I'll, I'll let you know. I'd like to hear a report on that. Yeah. I've got a visual. How it makes you feel. I bet it affects your whole body. I bet um, you feel, I'll, I'll, you know, You different. know what? Uh, I'll let you know. I mean, I got to, I got to figure out how <laughs> that's the first thing, but uh, yeah, I got some, yeah, I think, I think I figured out how to do this. Okay. I'll have to, yeah, this, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you next week. <laughs> bye Dorothy. Okay. Okay. Bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye now. Oh, this is hysterical. That's not what I expected when I started this, the show this morning, that I would start with politics and censorship and end up with a ball bath. That is not how I expected this show to go. But that's what happens at Action Radio. That's why we do what we do. Anyway, got some uh, things to play for you in our musical selection for today. And um, it, the show does cut out. For those of you who are listening you know, worldwide, uh, you kind of lose part of it and then just catch the remaining overtime on the podcast. And that's how it works. I'll tell uh, Sinai 77 about that tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Brandon Straka, our very special guest, 9 a.m. Central Time, uh, hashtag walkawaysocial. So that's going to be fascinating. I'll be very curious to see how much he wants to engage with us. That is going to be absolutely uh, amazing to, uh, to to listen to and to talk about. And I'm sure we'll be talking off the air after that as well. So our main site's here, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. That's our broadcast page. Writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. That's our, that's our page where we do all our legislating. My email, greg at writeyourlaws.com. My new Substack place is uh, gregpenglis.substack.com. And our fundraising site is givesendgo.com slash action radio. Back again tomorrow, 7 p.m. Central Time. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code. W-Y-L to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's strikeforceenergy.com. Start your engine.
Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of MyPillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. MyPillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. And remember, Brandon Strzok is on tomorrow, 9 a.m. Central Time. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener. And help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.